on episode 66 of Pixel Gaiden. We keep Eric awake with another coffee beer. Shocking, somebody disagrees with Cody. We yap about another golf game. An argument about magazines. We talk about growing up retro. Eric talks about the SNES. Tim talks about the Xbox. Six good games that can't be defined. And Nintendo shuts down more stuff. Happy Septandy to you. It is Septandy. Yes. <laughs> what does that mean to you? What does that mean to Eric Nelson? You know what? It means that we should bring out our Tandy machines and try to use them. That's deep. Thank you. <laughs> I don't have any deep thoughts on, on that subject. but uh, You have, a, you have a, a fairly new Tandy to you. I so. do. The Tandy 1000EX. Like we, have, we both have the color computer 2s and 3s, right? I just have the 3 now. I got rid of my 2, okay. which I regret because they're not completely backwards compatible. So That's I'm, right. I'm going to have to get another 2 one of these days. Yep. Nonetheless, yep. welcome to episode 66 of Pixel Gaiden. Yeah, I'm, I'm back. My voice is back. Last week I had no voice at all because of the fall season coming in. A little scared about that. A little scared about that. I hope it lasts throughout both episodes. I think it will. So we'll see. Absolutely. Um, really quick, I want to let you guys know what's coming up on this episode, episode 66 of Pixel Gaiden. Uh, we are going to hear... Eric talk about some stuff. 30th anniversary of the, of the Super Nintendo. Wow, though. So I talk about my memories. Memories. There will be a lot more singing in this episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Mr. Tim, Tea Time with Tim, uh, this, this episode is on the Xbox. I think it is the original Xbox. The OG Xbox, as I call it. The OG uh, in which he talks about some games, and I haven't listened to it yet, so I'm excited to hear it. I haven't listened to it yet either. I'm going to listen to it as everyone else does when it's embedded in the episode. So, And of course, Eric, uh, we're going to go over six good games. What did we uh, pick this time? This one was a tough one. You picked this one. Yeah. Right? It was. Uh, I picked it. I always pick these because I think I have a great idea, and I'm like, ooh, I have a bunch of great games. By yeah. the time I actually get around to it, I forget all the games. Right. So right. we're in the same spot. Yeah. I, I, this one was a really tough one, and I hope you're not disappointed with my selections. <laughs> I, I did I did kind of tweak the, the framework of the question by, like, genre-defying, which is what, what it is, genre-defying. Six good, uh, yeah, games that are hard to fit into a genre. Don't fit neatly into a genre. Yeah. And I, but I did it when the games were contemporary so when they came out what did it not really fit in a good genre then because quite an asterisk there well one of the ones that i picked like it started a whole genre okay so at the time though people couldn't really classify it you always take the historical view i'm talking about i don't play games now yeah i don't fit into a genre that's right We, we both two different takes on that yep uh, and then on next episode just so you guys know um which will come out later this month on the 30th uh, there will be a Cody's Corner. I am going to be talking about starting up a new retro video game room. Yeah. And the reason I'm going to be talking about that, 
Uh, one, I'm excited about it. But, Eric, this is going to be the last time we record in this room. What? I know. Hold on. That deserves some... Yeah. That's, that's true. That's true. Actually, that might not per- purely be the case. Um, and I'll get to that in a second. However, uh, it is official. I am I am moving. And by the time we record this next, next month, I will be... An hour from here. Yeah. So we're gonna have to figure that out. We've got we've got changes. Times are a changing. Times are a changing. Um, so I'm gonna be talking about starting up a whole new video game room because the room that I'll be moving into is uh, many times larger than this one. Oh, that's great. So I, it's like a blank canvas. Yeah. It's very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Um, the one thing I did want to touch on is we are. I, I threw this idea out there. I love the fact that. About a year ago, we did uh, a uh, a whole episode, a little special extra episode of Pixel Guide, in where we discussed um, the craptastic Commodore sixty four game competition. We played like yep. all thirty something games that That's were right. entered, yeah, and we judged them harshly and fairly in our own minds. Yeah, um, I think you threw a few under a un- threw them under a bus and gave them like a ten percent. You know, you're I did give a f- couple <laughs> probably undeserved <laughs> scores, but that's okay. I love it because that's when I found out how many of the people listening to the show make Commodore sixty four games yeah. and heard my very op- uh, upfront views of, of that particular game. Yep. But you know what? It is what it is. It is what it is. You know. Uh, anyway, so I would like to do that this month, or uh, well, maybe this month, recorded this month before we leave this house potentially. Uh, because the MSX 2021 dev competition is happening. Uh, the entries are just finalized, which means there's, I think there's 34 games. Yeah, and 32 technically, because I downloaded them because two of them were disqualified. doesn't say oh, why, but right next that. to it it says games disqualified. There's two of them. I'm probably still going to play them. Well, I didn't download them for oh, us, okay. at least on Pixel Guide, because okay. I'm not going to play them, because there's too many. To, I mean, that, that's a lot of games to have to play. Oh, whatever. So, I, well, I mean, the opportunity to nix one off the list, I'm going to take it. <laughs> so I have to admit, I think the MSX is probably my second favorite 8-bit console. Yeah. Or, um, sorry, 8-bit computer for playing games. Okay. It's, it's getting closer and closer to number one. I love that system. It's a fun system. That's for sure. Yeah. The breadth of the library for your, I'm sure your number one is the 64. It is, but the thing with the MSX, for whatever reason, I think it's because of... I don't know what it... I don't know anything about programming or whatever, but the games all feel more like the NES, which is the the console I grew up with. Right. So because like they just hit that that sweet spot for more games, the Commodore, I can play 10 games and maybe it, you know put one in my, okay, I'll play this again category. Right. Whereas the MSX, it's like 50%. I don't know. But maybe this contest will show us otherwise. Who knows? Um, we need to go ahead and jump into some quick questions, Eric. I think we've been talking just long enough here. All right. Let's do it. Quick questions. So our first quick question is our community question, which uh, if you guys are part of our Discord server, you can find more information about that very shortly. Uh, then you can answer the community question. This this month it was, you're reading a gaming magazine. What parts do you gravitate towards, and what parts do you avoid? For example, cover story, interviews, developer histories, reviews, system overviews, coverage on a certain year, etc. And we've got um, many different views. So Paul, aka Hermsky, wrote the competition results page. 
I was addicted to entering competitions. He said compos. I even managed to win a few. That's awesome. Great way to get a free game or t-shirt. Was a huge rush for me seeing my name as winner in the long list of names. Do you happen to know what games Hermski is? I have no idea. Hermski, let us know. Yeah. Uh, I'd be interested in trying them out. If they're, if they're old school, it'd be fun to load them up and give them a shot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to, I want and I want I'm curious what free game or t-shirts you got and if yeah. you still have them. <laughs> uh, Barkbit hopped on here. I love his answer. He says, I would and still start from the beginning and read every page in order, in the order our Lord intended. Um, so he just rings the whole darn thing. Yep. Boat of Car. Our fellow Amigo says, I love reading about hardware, reviews, and upcoming titles. I avoid interviews and people behind the game sections. Boring. <laughs> Boat is very honest. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to be honest with you, Eric. Yeah. Uh, Boat and I shared the, oh, I think the exact same opinion. Well, I do too. And and the funny thing is one of, my, one of the podcasts I love a lot, which is the Retro Hour UK. I don't yeah. know if you listen to that one. I love the beginning when they talk about the news and they banter uh-huh. amongst each other. But when they get to the interview, I think I've enjoyed like two interviews in the last Every year. Every once in a while, I'll get caught up in an interview because it's a game that's really, uh, that is like, exactly. my love. That's, what, there, that's the way I There's so many too. games, I'm just like, I don't care. Yeah. Um, and it's not that these, I don't, I'm belittling these people that have these stories yeah. to tell. Uh, it's just, for the most part, it's not a game I loved and I don't Or a really... system you didn't really use or not familiar with or something like that. Something yeah. like that. But, so uh, I, I love the first half of the show. And the second half, uh, it's it's, it's, yeah. it's just iffy. Depends. And where, where I land on this page is, like he says here, I love reading about hardware reviews and upcoming titles. So I love reading about stuff that I can like pull up or purchase and play. Right. That's what it comes down to for me. It's like, yep. I want to learn about hardware because I would like to buy it potentially. Right. I want to hear about games because I would like to buy them potentially. Yeah. <laughs> you know, things like that. Um, all right. Uh, and then Sanction, our fellow showmate who will be joining us next episode, um, which, by the way, I didn't cover that, Eric. Yeah. Uh, next episode, we're also doing a battle of the systems between two Donald Duck games. Two Donald Duck games. Yep. And Tim will be there to join us. One on the Master System, one on the Genesis. So, yeah, awesome. And uh, Tim said, uh, Zap64 and Crash were must for reviews on games. So I would jump right in for that. For the most part, uh, they influenced very heavily what we purchased, especially for the C64. Zap64 had a massive following amongst the C64 users. And for the most part, Sizzlers and gold medal games were big sellers. Yeah. So he did it for the reviews. He loves the reviews. Yeah. Which is cool because now they have uh, Crash and uh, what's the other one I'm thinking right now? It's Zap. It's still Zap, right? Yeah, Zap and Crash. The, the, the annuals the new, you're talking about. The annual, yeah, yeah. Oh, I tried. Anyways, I, I tried to buy some of those recently, but they're not shipping to California. I don't know what's going on. That is weird. Uh, so, what was your uh, what's your take on that? Oh, we kind of gave mine. Uh, what like, was yours? I like the hardware and the reviews and upcoming. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Okay. Um, the other ones that, that, that I kind of find interesting sometimes, they'll do like timelines or year of to a point. Yep. Uh, but a lot of time they go back to years before I was really coherent, so I don't really care. <laughs> I, I uh, This is going to be odd because nobody mentioned this. I loved the ads. Okay. I loved the ads. The, the, cause oh, back, you're talking about in, in magazines back in the day, ma- not current ones. Correct. Okay. Magazines, magazines back in the day had these widespread like spreads like ads like two page spreads of just lists and lists and lists of like stuff and i would just i love those i loved all the ads back in the day and i would go nowadays the only gaming magazine i really follow every month is retro gamer 
and I'm more like a bark bit. I cover. I just read it from cover the beginning. Cover, cover, cover. cover. Oh. Sitting in my car usually. Yeah. I'm, with, I'm uh, when I'm talking about boat, and I agree, and I think we're both talking about pry retro gamer for the most part. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, that is the first question. The second community question will happen in just a moment. But Eric, yeah, what is this thing called? The Kung Fu Flash. It's this cartridge. Uh huh. And within that cartridge, it's magic. Magic is inside the cartridge. Yep, there's magic inside of that cartridge. The Kung Fu Flash is a cartridge for the Commodore 64 that allows you to load all sorts of formats of games. Uh, you can just load them up on the flash cart and give them a shot. So you're saying for a very minimal price, you can buy a cartridge that plays almost all Commodore 64 files on a Commodore 64? Yes. Where would I get such a thing, Eric? You could get it at Retro Rewind. Retro Rewind.ca, you mean? Yep. Uh, forward slash pixel guide in. Yes. So that we get credit. <laughs> That's right. So we get credit. Make sure to go there. Retro Rewind.ca slash pixel guide in and use offer code PG10 to get 10% off. 10% off. You don't say. That's a, And that's a lot. That's that, a lot of money. That is a lot. You know what makes it uh, even a bigger savings? What is that? You spend more money there. That's right. And you save more. You can get more stuff for your money. So if you're looking for a cool uh, tidbit for your Commodore computer, he- check out RetroRewind.ca forward slash Pixel Gaiden. Use PG10 to save 10% off. And they have everything you need for your 64, your 128, your 16, your plus 4, your Amiga. Yep. And they also have a section here called goodies. T-shirts. Mugs, I think. I'll, mugs. I was going to say. I, know t-shirts, I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't. I won't tell you what's in there. It's very special, and you must go on the website to find out. Oh, okay. Well, then forget what I said. <laughs> forget what I just said. There's a couple other things I'm going to talk about a little later in the show, Eric, yeah. that I think are very cool. At RetroRewind.ca. Correct. All right. Our next quick question, Eric. Yeah. Is from uh, you. Oh, uh, let me. I believe it is. You pulled up the bad-looking Oh, list I did now. pull up the bad-looking list. See? <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing here. All right. While you lived with your parents, where were all of the computers or video game consoles located, i.e., like in the living room, bedrooms, pantries, bedrooms, whatever? And the follow-up question, which I yep, think is the follow-up one is, did this change how you used them? Um, I think... I don't... I, get, I mean, to me, it sounds... I think it's like most people... Uh, the video game console, typically the NES, yeah, was connected to the main TV in the in the main TV watching room of the house downstairs. Okay, which means how to change how I use them? Well, I couldn't use it uh, between like five and eight because my dad was watching TV. Right, right. Um, it also meant that on the weekends, if I had rented a game, I had to get <clears> up. <throat> I would get up really early. I would never get up early, but if I had a game rented, yeah, run downstairs and plug <laughs> That's it in, awesome. and start staring at that. Yeah. Um. My computer was in the office. Okay. The the family's office. Family office, which same thing <clears throat> kind of applied there, which my mom was always in there yeah. doing something on the computer. Uh, uh, so it was kind of, yeah, unique. It's Depending on if the TV was available or the computer was available, that's the one I'd be on. Yeah, so you just switch back and forth. Now, the only exemption to this rule is the old Atari 2600, which was much maligned and unloved. If I couldn't oh. use anything else... yeah. Uh, I had my dad's old, sharp black and white television, yeah. like t- eleven inch or something like that, like tiny little thing. Yep, from from his college days, and uh, all kinds of weird adapters to make it fit. In fact, I think it actually still used the two prongs on yeah. the back, the little adapter. I think it still accepted that. Yeah, um, 
and I'd play some Atari games on that, and I had like 30 cartridges, but since I was so used to the Nintendo, like playing Atari, you'd put a game in, play like two minutes, yank it out, throw another one and play like three minutes, yank it out. Uh, it wasn't the same experience, no. you know. How about yourself? Mine was pretty much the same, just different systems. We we had a, that Telstar, that one with the gun, the Telstar yeah. Ranger, Coleco. Yeah. We had that on the on the living room TV, and we would use it like the the flash gun with that, or the light gun. Uh, and then we and then we had the Atari fifty two hundred, and that was it. And the Atari fifty two hundred, my sisters and I would play that in the living room, but. None of my family was interested at all in computers. So when I got my first VIC-20 and then the Commodore 64, it was all in my room. Like, because we didn't have an office or anything like that. We just had our bedrooms and, and that. So I had the, like, I, that's, that's why I used it so much. I had it in my room and I had it at first on a little tiny, like you're exactly what you're saying. I don't, it was an Emerson black and white, probably 11 inch had the screws in the back for putting the modulator on it. You know, the, the switch box, I mean, um, and I had it a black and white one for the Vic 20. And then when I got the 64, I upgraded to a color 13 inch. Okay. Uh, there you TV. go. So, but those were in my, Upgrade. and it did change how I used it. I mean, because I could use it whenever I wanted and I'd stay up late and get up out of bed middle of night and turn it on and play a game. I mean, it, I, I used it a lot. Nice. Yeah. Love it. Cool. It's cool hearing about those those histories. Yeah. Um, if you hop on youtube.com forward slash pixelguiden, uh, there is a... Well, I should be able to get my new video on Vectrix up there very shortly. Cool. Uh, I, it was Cody's Corner from last uh, month. And uh, you'll be able to hop on there and see the Vectrix and some new games in all its glory. We also want to make sure you guys know we are part of the Amigos Retro Video Game Network which has a bunch of shows, and I'll just update you really quick on what they're doing. Amigos Everything Amiga just had... They've been going crazy. They had a bunch of releases. Uh, they had one, episode 313, on the Public Domainia, they called it, but Public Domain Games. Yep. 314 on the game Epic, and 315 on the game Diggers. And I just listened to that one today in the car. There you go. ARG Presents did a Pong uh, console episode, because they always do fun, weird stuff. Uh, including the Binatone TV Master Mark IV. Yeah. Uh, and then I love this topic. They did another episode where they talked about only games that received a 2 out of 10 or less <laughs> right. rating score. Yeah, I, 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 heard, I heard that one a couple of days ago. No, it's hilarious. Sprite Castle, our boy Rob Flack O'Hara, did episode 64 on the Commodore 64 show. Yeah. 64-64, I'm sure he made that reference. Right. Uh, on Mr. I don't know how you say this. Mr. Do. I, I always said Mr. Doe, but... Mr. Do. Um, and then don't forget that there's also R. Sinclair, The Coco Show, and 1200XL, which hasn't seen any new releases since our last episode, but right. uh, they pop up from time to time. Great shows there as well. So if you want to find show information, you're going to go to pixelguiden.com. If you want to reach us on Twitter, you can reach me, Eric Nelson, at the project, D U H project. You can reach the show at, at pixel underscore guiden can reach Cody at, at Oddball, which is ODDBA1149. You can reach Tim at Sanction, at S-A-N-X-I-O-N. Please review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast catcher that you use. That would be really helpful for us. And if you want to email us, you can email at podcast at pixelguiden.com. And we do encourage feedback 
We also have a Patreon account set up, so if you wish to support the show financially, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pixelguiden. You can support us with as little as a dollar all the way up to infinite dollars. If you do so, you'll get access to the Amigos Retro Network Discord server, where all kinds of cool chat is happening about not only our show, but the other shows, such as Bright Castle and, of course, the Amigos, um, amongst other shows. And there's various other topics in there, um, everything from for sale to music to uh, high score contests, things like that. If you support us at the $3 or more tier, we like to announce every supporter at that level here on the show in a way that we can only do here on Pixel Guide and using our random adjective generator. I have to apologize this time as I did not have time to put together a fun little Patreon song. But the random adjective generator is working, so let's put on some goofy music. There we go. And introduce you to our Patreons. Up first, we have the bloody Henrik Lolfel, the limping Dustin Newell, the expensive Matthew Ackerman, the obsequious Daniel James. That's a toughie. The scarce Josh Malone, the rapid Eric Sandgren, the curly David Vincent, the important 10 minute Amiga Retrocast. The illustrious Roy Fielding. The ripe Mr. Toast. The nappy Monche Sosnowski. The violent Paradroid. The finicky Ramoke Ramoke. The defiant Ant Stiller. The groovy Mitsuyama. The tough Hermski. The elite Citizen. The wistful Gary Heather. The loutish Brian Arsenault. And last but surely not least, the ultra Paul Jacobson. Yay! Thank you, uh, Patreon subscribers. Uh, we we may not mention this enough, but we really do appreciate the support. I we mean, absolutely it, do. It's helped out a ton with the costs associated to the podcast, as well as just showing appreciation and being part of our awesome Discord. Uh, I can't say enough about our Patreon people. I have very good discussions. And Eric's them. got his fancy new mic over there. He sounds all yeah, that's right, deep and radio friendly. Yes, I do. Yes, because I do. Thank of you. people like you. Know what else they buy for us, uh, Eric, for each show? Beer. Let's get some beer. Let's get some beer going here. So you provided the first one. So why don't you tell us a little bit about this? And maybe I'll uh, turn on the light. Maybe. Oh yeah, you don't want you don't want the light to go down outside in a slow <laughs> but romantic manner. I don't. So this Eric. Yeah is another coffee beer because it worked so well for you last time to it keep did. you awake for our five-hour recording session remember to pour vigorously down the center i think it did help and remember uh they, somebody said who was that to give us feedback to say we, we were losing energy towards the second episode <laughs> they said yeah 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 we won't, we won't go there no. All I, know is I, I hope our show is better for you <laughs> we're moving steps in the right direction <laughs> the right direction long ways to go honestly uh, we, we you know we're we're, we're making some fun, but I, I, I love comments like that. No, I, I, I actually, we have pretty thick skin, so I mean, I'm pretty... I'm, I, I love when people say Real something. Real honest. Like I love it. Uh, this is by Fall River Brewing Company. Yeah. They also make Num Num Juice, which is one of my favorite beers, that hazy, that yeah. we've had on the show. We've had it, yeah. Um, and it is an Irish coffee cream stout with nitro. Yeah. And it, again, should have actual coffee in it to keep us awake, Eric. Yeah, that's a tall boy. 
It is a tall boy, and it says right on, best enjoyed out show- outdoors. So, and I cheers. Did, I did pour vigorously. Ooh, I don't have my button hold. Here we go. Cheers. cheers. And these are cool uh, mugs. So, yeah, um, my wife and I have been drinking a lot of uh, beer on tap. Okay. So, uh, the ones that Doug gave us are yeah. not available tonight. Okay. So, these actually won at a party a while back. Yeah. They're Italian, apparently. They look like a giant coffee cup, but they are beer mugs of... of I was going to say, a, they look like coffee mugs, but just giant. European coffee mug? I like them. Is that a t- that's French? That's more French. <laughs> I, 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 I couldn't tell you. It, you know, my show is not going to be complete until I ruin every single accent possible and get it all wrong, so. Ooh, this is nice. It does taste creamy. You get it the creaminess? Creamy. Very creamy. A little sweeter than the last one, I think. It is sweet, sweeter, which I like. I, I, do, I put a creamer in my, in my coffee. I like it black. They call me Clint. Yeah, I like how they have this little thing right here that looks yeah. almost like a handlebar mustache. Yeah, on the can. Yep. Do you ever Gosh, have? That's really good. Do you ever have? Do you ever make your coffee Irish, as they say? You know, put a little, put a little something, put a little in, there. something, something in it. I, I, I did that as a younger man. All right, all right. All right. Well, let's let's get it back to rating this in a second. Um, I want to touch up on some user feedback. One piece I've noted. Yeah. Uh, Alien Breeder mm-hmm. responded to us, and because I had mentioned that Double Dragon is awful in the arcade and I can't handle it because the NES version <laughs> is so much better. Yeah. Just for the record, Double Dragon was huge in the arcade. When the NES version came out, I hated it. I was aggravated that they totally changed everything. And then I'm going to add this part for the better. <laughs> you added that. <laughs> Yeah, and I think I mentioned this in the show. I never played Double Dragon in the arcade. Hmm. So I have no way to compare it. I don't, I, I, I'm out of this discussion, but... Yeah. I believe you. That's the only piece of feedback I put down here. and I, I, we probably, I'm really, really bad at adding it to the notes. Yeah. We are, I think. We, we hear more stuff, but I mean, we need to do a better <laughs> job putting it in there. Um, all right. Out of five ounces of mustache wax... <laughs> out of five ounces of mustache wax. How many ounces are we going to give Fall River Irish coffee? I, I actually am really digging this. Uh, probably more than that last coffee one we had. I like the I sweetness. I agree. I like the sweetness. It adds a little I something. really like this. And I'm not going to lie. Actually, I had a four-pack. I had one yesterday with a with a cigar outside. Wow. A cigar oh. and a waffle. <laughs> That's my Scottish. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah? We should have a chart Did where we, that we, all the countries we butcher <laughs> their accents. Um... Yeah, so out of five uh, five ounces of mustache wax, I'm going to give this a good solid four. Good. I'm going to give this a solid four. Only a four? Out See? of five? Yeah, it's like 80%. I'm doing math here. Well, I, I didn't want to do halves. We're talking about fluid ounces, you know? He's got a... I'm going to give it... I really like it. I'm going to give it four and five eighths, Eric. Four and five eighths. Four and five eighths fluid ounces. Is it fly? I don't know if you do mustache wax. I'm going to give it four and a half then. I, did, I was trying to stay away from from half measures. You know how we do it here, Eric. You do whatever you darn well please on Pixel Gaiden. That brings us to the news. Uh, first item of news, yeah, is is another uh, YouTube thing. I you know I I didn't mention this, but okay. Tim wrote this, so I'm going to read it for him. All right. Apparently, uh, he says Cody's C64 uh, video is doing well, 
Please check it out. And the Sam Coupe video is doing okay. <laughs> <laughs> they're both they're both not doing great. I don't know what Tim's saying there. I mean, yeah. we're, we're trying to get the channel off the ground. So please check out our YouTube yeah. channel, you know, youtube.com forward slash pixelguiden. Says, uh, don't forget to give them a watch. Also, this month's Tea Time with Tim on the Xbox will have a video launched around the same time that this episode airs. That's so, really cool. So you're going to get two new new and your your Vectrex one plus the Xbox. Yeah. That's going to be awesome. The only person not doing videos is me because mm. I'm an income poop mm. and I don't know how to do them. <laughs> That's not true. You've done them in the past. Uh, not very good ones, but okay. Um, first item here. Yeah. The Game Boy Advance gets its first commercial release in 13 years, according to this article. Okay. Um, it is a game called Good Boy Galaxy. Huh. It's on Kickstarter now, so it is a Kickstarter, which has its own connotations. Yeah. Uh, there's also a Switch version planned because, again, <clears> game <throat> devs like to do these things. They also like to make money doing them. That's right. Which is not a bad thing. People need to make money. Yep. Um, so I'm going to just go ahead and play it here. And it's kind of this cool... Um, it's a platformer. The graphics look amazing for the Game Boy Advance. Yeah. I mean, they look fantastic. Yeah, this is something I will totally, you know, give a give a shot to. So it's a little platformer. It looks like you're a dog with a, in a spacesuit, and you're running around shooting things on platforms. You're a good boy, is what you are. You are a good boy. Good boy in the galaxy. Good boy galaxy. It's almost um, yeah. I, I could see it being a Metroidvania. I'm not sure if it is, but there it is definitely a platformer that can go left and right and up and down and up and down. Yeah, so I would guess probably a Metroidvania style game, but looks great and. Uh, Again, I would rather buy it for the Game Boy Advance if I could buy a ROM. Awesome. Otherwise, it's going to be a, a cheap Steam purchase or on-sale Switch purchase. Yeah, because it would it probably would fit really well on a Switch format, but it would be nice to play it on my GBA if they if they have ROMs. I mean, you know, I, I do hope they release it that way. Maybe they say I don't know. But it needs to pass the Kickstarter first, so hep- it, head it on over flashcards at the bottom. So I'm assuming they will have ROMs, right? If you go down a little further. Where do you see that? Oh, I saw. I saw. Oh, there it is. Do, 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 Include do, do. a digital version for the GBA for only oh, okay. eighteen pounds. That's eighteen a deal. pounds. You can play via emulator or flashcard. That's a pretty good deal. So I, I'd be in for for that. Cool. Looks great. Good find. Next item on the docket, Eric. Let, let me get the good the good docket here. <laughs> uh, actually, this Tim, from Tim, Tim has so. something to say. So I'll, I'll be Tim. Okay. Hey guys. That's exactly him. This Keep is going. Tim. Oh, yeah, brother. <laughs> yeah, brother. Let's do this. <laughs> That's not good for my voice. No, it's good. I'm stop that. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll, do t- I'll do the next Tim, but uh, okay. yeah, continue. Continue. <laughs> All right. So Sarah Jane Avery, which is, we, we, I, I got to say, we it's awesome, but we talk about her on, on almost every episode, and we've never really even met her. <laughs> we t- we've talked to her. We've chatted with her on Twitter, but never met her or anything but she does come up a lot and for good reason she makes excellent games and i think tim talks about this particular game in every episode of pixel guy then <laughs> that's He's right very and excited about it, it. it very excited about it and everything but um let me go back to the notes real quick he says brightly witch chronicles trailer showing the latest updates to the long-awaited c64 rpg it looks oh, like yeah. it's now getting close to completion um which is exciting because this is a she wrote a series of books yeah, I think it says I don't know how many are in the series, but she based this game on that, and it looks awesome. I mean, it is an yep. RPG, um, kind of like a, a Zelda style. I mean, in the same kind of. I don't think it's action RPG though, is it? Isn't it? Um, I'm trying to see if I can get to a battle or something here. 
I or don't is know it, if or it's, is there any, yeah, so it's it's more like a um, so it's more like a JRPG. JRPG. Yep. Yeah, which is great. I mean, I yeah. I think that would be that fits really well in the Commodore sixty four. I'm surprised there's not more because yeah, the kind of the way the Commodore sixty four is, if you can make anything where it's kind of uh, turn based, yeah, like that fits it really well more so than an action game. Someone's gonna yell at me for that. It's great for action game. Oh, that was another piece of feedback on Arata I got. What was that? <laughs> uh, someone took offense to my video because I said that the the C64 doesn't like normally do scrolling terribly well. Right. And this game made it look, and they're like, no, it's got a built in and you're an awful pro-. Again, I am not a programmer. Right. Sorry I said anything, but a lot of games don't look good scrolling. I'll yeah. put it that way. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Fair I, yeah. I digest. <laughs> <laughs> okay, brother, what's yours? Hmm. We're done talking about Briley Witch for another uh, 30 days. <laughs> Hold on, i got to close that. All right. Eric, this one's yours. Oh, it's mine. Uh, so, Golf Sunday came out on Pico 8. I have not been able to play and, this yet. And it's fun, as I said in the notes. Did you uh, complete I pl- it? I, I played it a ton. I don't think I completed it. Although, oh, no, no. I'm Duh. I'm an idiot. I was thinking of another game. I did complete this. You okay. complete it every time you play it. You just see what your score is. And my score got better and better. I mean, I, I scored, I think, a 30, which was pretty good, I think. So it's a it's a golf game. It looks like um, it's, it looks to me like Golf Story, uh, the Switch game. Yeah. Well, I, call, I played it on Switch. Yep. It's awesome. You drive your little car, you drive your cart around. And you drive to your to the platform where you're going to sh- shoot the ball. I'm not a golfer, so yeah, <laughs> tee box, the tee box, and um, and then you the, the mechanics are simplified for something like Pico Eight. So there's not like a little hit, like you know the little gauge that's in every golf game where you, it's your swing. Mm-hmm. It swings out, you stop it at the power, and then it comes back and you hit it. It literally you just point where you want the ball to go, but the circle of where the possibility where the ball's gonna land gets bigger as you go further out. So it's kind of just a little game of chance at that point. Like where's the ball gonna land in this circle? Okay. And but you can pick your different clubs and different okay. whatever, and then you you hit the ball and so, and then you're literally just Drive trying to, to get the next part, one. just like any go. Now the cool thing is a lot of people found some really cool strategies in it. Like what I do is I park my cart behind the hole <laughs> and then walk back and then walk back and then I hit the ball. And if the ball <laughs> overshoots a little, it bounces off the cart and I've had to actually go into the, into the hole. So it's got, cool, it. it's got cool little like uh, little tricks like that. And you really are just trying to, oh, I need to play. It looks so good. Yeah, it looks good. And, and it's fun to play. It's a very casual, fun game to play. And Eric, yeah. how much is it? It's like every other Pico 8 game. It's free. That is amazing. Yeah. It is free. Um, so, Golf very, Sunday, Pico 8. Everyone get it. I have a lot to catch up on the Pico 8. I was actually very excited that the uh, the Sonic issue, I think it's not the latest issue, but one of the most recent issues of Retro Gamer, yeah. had a whole four-page spread on Pico 8 games. Oh, yeah, that's it did. That's right. I need to go back, and there's about half of those I actually haven't played yet, so I'm excited about those. Yeah. And I'm going to check after I play them to make sure they're good. I'm going to try to throw that um, into our Discord to see if we can update that. Um, cool. Uh, shoot, who was doing that? <laughs> oh, HSI, right? HSI, thank you. HSI, thank yeah, you. on Discord. Um, who, was, who was doing a list of uh, a, a compiled file yeah. with all the uh, the best, not the, all the best, but with yep. a whole bunch of really good Pico 8 games. So. This game also is by Johan Peets. Is that Johan? Okay. Johan? Johan, I think. Would it be Johan? 
God, we butcher these foreign can names. You, can you do it with the Macho Man voice? It's Johan Pete's brother. Snap into the spice. <laughs> but uh, he's a good friend. Uh, he's a good friend. Like on Twitter, he's always telling us about his games. He reaches out to us about Pico 8. Um, so Pico 8 stuff. So I'm. He, this was in a competition. That's why he made the game. Okay. I don't know much about well, well the Pico done, 8 Well done, Johan. It looks amazing. I'm stoked about it. Awesome. Hey, more Game Boy news. All right. This is funny. I like this. Uh, although not game-related, Eric, mm-hmm. somebody has uh, created and put it up on uh, Kickstarter. It is fully funded, and it is a productivity suite for your Game Boy. Oh, excellent. So now your Game Boy has such fine things as a calendar and a calculator. Um, I'm trying to see what else it says. <laughs> it's an all-in-one cartridge. Uh, they're doing it in Canada. Oh, a notepad. Yeah, a clock. It turns it turns your uh, your really cool vintage Game Boy into like a nine ninety nine uh pocket organizer, like with those electronic organizers they used to have. Yep. <laughs> now in Japan, there was a product that never That's made true. it to market that had a whole thing you plugged into the Game Boy that made it a like a contact management stuff. And I can't remember all that was in it, but I was just listening to a podcast a few months ago that talked about this product that came out and it, it was in magazines. It was getting reviewed and stuff. And then I don't think it ever, it either didn't come out or didn't come out in, in, in big numbers, but it, it was a real thing. And this is kind of like yeah. that. This is kind of like that, which is kind of neat, but it's, uh, it looks like it's, it's going to be an actual cartridge you plug in, and this is my best part, my favorite part. The stretch goals, Yeah, uh, some of them are already being funded, include things uh, such as international, and it's, this is all tongue-in-cheek, even though it's real. Yeah. It, it's all a joke. Uh, international localization. Yeah. <laughs> a to-do list application. Um, a paperweight app. Wow. Where it turns the Game Boy into a paperweight. Excellent. And a super game pack enhanced, whatever that means. Um, anyways, looks hilarious. It does look hilarious. But real. And actual money spent on it. (laughs) (laughs) Um. You gonna do Tim's? You know what, I think you have to do Tim again, because I'm next. Otherwise, people are gonna get tired of me hearing me talk. Alright, Tim. Everyone's favorite 16K specy game jetpack, which we all love around here, is coming soon to the Acorn Electron via... Snugsy187 on Twitter. S-N-U-G-G-S-Y-187 on Twitter. Check out his Twitter feed for updates. This is looking amazing. That was a terrible British accent. You ruined yeah, that. Thank you. You ruined it. So here it is. Um, oh, actually, it's just a Twitter link. But it looks like a jetpack. There it is. Is that it? There yeah. it is. There's jetpack. That actually looks pretty good. It was was the electron not color? Or was um, it monochrome only? Because I mean, even jetpack yeah, comes sixteen k in, in one color here, or you can make it red, green, oh. white. So it looks like it, j- even jetpack on even the sixteen k jetpack was multicolor on the specy. Yeah. So hmm. I don't know. I don't know enough about the the acorn. It looks good. It looks very. It looks it looks very specky. It but does. It does. It is lo- monochrome one color. Looks really good though. I mean, that, that might be uh, another computer. I, if I ever go to England, I want to come back with some stuff I don't have. Yeah. That's a good uh, candidate for that. The Electron is a nice-looking computer. I don't know much about it otherwise, but it's a decent-looking one. All right. What do you got here? What I got, um, we talked about the hand-drawn guides. 
that I was all excited about last month. Right. Apparently, um, they are in legal trouble. Oh. Um, they did not cl- clarify who they're in legal trouble with, but they have to cancel their sales for their Metroid, Zelda, and Contra hand-drawn game guides. So, that's lame, because these looked super fun. Um, anyways. That, that... And it already got $322,000 on Kickstarter for the next issue. The first two were already made. The, the uh, I believe it was the Metroid one that was up next. Can you imagine how deflated you would feel if you were the artist doing this, and you raised $320,000, and then somebody just made you take it down? Yep. How lame. For, for games that haven't been sold for years. I mean, these franchises are still kicking, but not the games they're based on. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just a strategy guide. Yeah. It's a strategy you guide. You worked for Prima? I did, did they work ha- for Prima. Did they have to uh, No, we had unauthorized all the one time. We had screenshots up the wazoo in there. Yeah. Maybe Prima's suing them for doing a tra- strategy guide. Maybe it's your fault, Eric. <laughs> Maybe Perhaps. you should have shut the server down a long time ago. <laughs> All right, I'm excited about this one. Are you ready? This is finally out. I hope you are excited about this, because I know you're a fan as well. I am. It is the Cotton Reboot coming out on PS4 and Nintendo Switch. So fantastic. And it's out now, because we had mentioned this uh, last month. I, it is, but it, it, I think it's out now, yeah. Yeah. Gorgeous. So I, Cotton is one of my favorite shoot 'em up cute 'em up I guess you'd call it. There you go. cute 'em up series. I, I, and you know, one of the cooler ones is on the Neo Geo Pocket color. Do you remember there's like a cotton on there? I haven't played much, awesome. but yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm getting this on the Switch for sure because it'd be a great platform for playing cotton. If people don't know them, it's a cute em up. So it's very cutesy, kind of cartoony. It is a vertical shoot em up, uh, horizontal. Horizontal. I mean, I, I always get that backwards <laughs> and I know what they mean. It's a horizontal, uh, cute em up and it, it, it just it looks amazing it's and these are reboots so they are all redone in new art they're not just ports or whatever they're all they're all done up is it is it a couple of different games that have been updated or is it one it says this reboot offers three game modes yep including the original uh sharp x i always say 68000 yep cotton uh night dreams fantastic night dreams. features yep yeah it sounds like there's a bunch of stuff in here looks awesome yeah, so I'm going to be hunting this down soon. Cool. It's one I'd love to get physical, but probably not right off the bat. I'll <clears throat> let it drop a few bucks. Right. <laughs> um, Eric, did you know, I have a couple items on here. Well, you, you probably did know. And I want you to say the name of this. The Amberdick. <laughs> Amber, no. That's what it says. A- Ambernick. <laughs> Ambernick. Well, you know what? It is what it is. There's, I want to see uh, what this is. There's two... Other Amber Nick Dick Six um, that you could buy. Eric did an entire segment on the one he loves. RG351M. Well, this one is basically that unit in a vertical Game Boy vibe. Yes, I've seen this. Um, and apparently, because of the, out, the, the way the screen's laid out, it's actually a bigger screen. Okay. And the V, in the, it's an RG351V. The V stands for vertical. Uh, and it gives you a 4 by 3 ratio screen, so it's true 4 by 3 yeah. um, which is cool because it'll fill up, you know, most virtual games are g- going to be in 4 by 3 It'll fill up the entire screen. The only bummer is it's 
only going to have one stick here. It doesn't have dual analogs. It doesn't have the dual analogs. Okay. But if you want something that looks like a Game Boy uh, pocket shape. It looks very much like a Game Boy, you know, like a regular Game Boy case, but more buttons and the and an analog stick. Yep. Uh, so there's that option for you. Yeah. And then the other option, again, I, I don't think it's necessarily news, but it's news to me, Eric, because I didn't know about it, is the RG3000X... Which is actually, imagine the Game Boy Micro. Yeah. In fact, you don't even have to imagine it. It is a Game Boy Micro, but like twice the size. Oh, that's cool. I, I haven't seen this one. And it does it does have the four buttons still. So it's still got no, um, no analog, analog sticks because there's no room for it. Right. So I, I owned a Game Boy Micro for a few short months before I sold it. I mean, the screen is so small. It feels look cool in your hand. It's got a good weight to it. But the screen is just so small, you can't play stuff on it. So this keeps pretty much all that, but makes it, uh, you know, twice as big, which is still smaller than most pocket handheld devices. Right. Um, and it looks really cool. It's got the uh, Famicom red with the bronze met- metallic faceplate on it. Right. It looks cool. It looks cool. And it's got all the buttons you need, and top left and right buttons, and the XYBA select start. Probably has, does it have uh, shoulder buttons? Yeah, you can yeah, see him right sure there. Sure does. Yeah, <laughs> L and R right up there. So it's still got a lot. Still got a lot going for it. Yep. As long as you don't need anything that plays a uh, that needs an analog stick, looks like uh, they're asking around seventy pounds, so about a hundred bucks. Yeah. Which is kind of how much they all are. So. Choose, Very cool. Choose the Amber Nick that's right for you, Eric. It's <laughs> <a> Amber Nick. <laughs> Amber Nick. Uh oh! You have to be Tim again. All right. Hey, brother, have you heard? I have not. Oh, wait. I'm, I have to go do someone different. <laughs> I need to pick a different wrestler. You can be, be Macho Man. Um, new MSX Pac-Man game from MSX Game Dev 2021 competition. Mm-hmm. Looks amazing and a kind of top-down version of Pac-Mania for the MSX. So I have seen this. I've seen a ton of really good MSX games I've been wanting to report on. Yeah. Uh, but I've been saving it for the for the competition. So this is one I downloaded today because I downloaded all of ours. Yep. You know all, all the all the entries into the MSX Dev competition. I it took everything in me not to play this already. It looks so cool. It does look really cool. This is entry number thirty, and it is called Pack Zero One, and it is it looks enough like Pac Man, but different enough that makes me go like, yeah, I need to try this. And the screen looks like it scrolls, right? So you can't see the whole maze at once. Kind of like Junior Pac-Man or um, some other yeah. newer Pac-Mans. Yep. It looks super good, though. And it's amazing that these these are... This MSX dev, was these. it's for the original MSX, not the MSX2. So yep. these fit in a much smaller memory profile. I think it's 16K for these? Uh, so uh, I believe you're correct. Um, yes, it, I think you are correct. Every uh, this year, every year they do it a little differently. Okay. But yeah, this year the rules are basically the standard MSX one format. Right. So you'd be right. Um, this Pac-Man game also has a fast mode, which means just survive. Mm. I'm excited. It looks like fun. It looks like a blast. There you go. ROM size 32 KB. Okay. Maybe that's the limit. Cool. Awesome, Tim. Let's play that game shortly, shall we? We will be. Um, Solus Two was released. For the oh, was it for the Commodore sixty four by Cytronic? Um, so, and when I say it was released, you, they still are taking pre orders and things. But if you want to he- head over to uh, Cytronic's website, you can download it for seven ninety nine. 
It's actually a, a link to itch.io. Well, that's a deal. So you can, for eight bucks, you can buy the new Solus 2 game. It's called Solus 2, the Armor of the Gods, or Armor of Gods. And I'm watching a little video here, but um, I, for whatever reason, the first Solus, I love a lot of Cytronic games. Um, and I, I will definitely try this one. The first Solus didn't work for me very well. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, just it, it, after playing Night and Cradle and a couple other ones, which are so solid, yeah. this one felt too foreign to me. But I have not tried Solus 2, and it looks like they've changed it. This Because this is like eight years after the first one. Oh, okay. Well, it's already been eight years. It's been a while, I believe. <coughs> wow. Someone can correct me on that in feedback. But it's been a while. <laughs> um, so I might give this a shot. It looks, it looks good. It definitely has a good visual look. And as all Cytronic releases, uh, physical boxes look amazing. The box art looks really cool. And it's Icon64 is who developed it and... Again, I, they make awesome stuff. I talked about them specifically in my Commodore 64 It's probably about time episode. I dug back in. I haven't dug really dug into a Commodore 64 game in a long while. Should do that. that needs to be rectified. Yeah. Cool. All right, so Tim, you want to take this one with a Tim accent? Uh, see, but Tim is breaking up all my segments here. Yeah, he is. I'll take this one. Okay. Um, let's see, which Tim accent should I use this time? <laughs> The Immortal 64 podcast, <laughs> episode 100, part one, released. That sounds exactly like Tim. No? It does. Uh, C64 Sid Tune podcast releases 100 episodes. If you have not listened, I would re- recommend this one. A great selection of Sid Tunes, new and old, each month. So he's just he's just pumping up somebody else's podcast. The Immortal C64 podcast. So there's a free plug for those guys. I know, I know he's been listening to a lot of Sid Tunes, just like chilling around his little hobby room. So. Right. I'll have to check that out. I bet I could. That'd be great background music. I've got one. The Metroid Prime 2D fan remake I just talked about again last episode was also shut down. Really? Well, that one you knew was coming. Yeah. It's an actual game, and it's Nintendo property. Right. Although he didn't admit who it was. It was Nintendo, Eric. Yeah, yeah. You can. Who else would care? <laughs> so it looks amazing. I'm going to try to find a torrent or something. I will. I will get my hands on this. I want to play it very badly. I I forgot to grab it when, when it was when it was right on the website. But you know, it'll it'll get out there. In fact, this will probably boost its numbers. Yeah. The truth truth be told, Nintendo is probably spreading the uh, embers more than they're putting out the flame. So. The nice thing about digital stuff, it's out there somewhere. We'll get it. We'll get it. We'll get it. Um, oh, I closed down the really convenient one. No! Oh, well, we can still use this one. Next one was from Tim. Another one from Tim. The Checkmate A1500 Mini Amiga style case is now confirmed and ready for shipping. He says, my case is con- should be coming in the next few weeks. There you go. I can- can I be honest with you for a minute? Please do. So I have a hold on. Let me use both hands to sip exactly. on my let's get real cup of coffee. Let's get real for a minute. Mm-hmm. I love the the idea of the checkmate case, and I watched Doug's thing. Uh, he made a bunch of videos on the checkmate case, and remember we saw him at the Amiga uh, show Amiga. here in Sacramento, and he had his checkmate case there. Yep. I love the idea, and and I have an an A five hundred that. The case is destroyed. It's cracked everywhere. I got it from the from the um, from the user club, the Amiga user club. Yep. 
I would love to take that motherboard and pop it right into one of these cases, okay? So you go to the website, and maybe it's just because I'm 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 dumb. I don't know, but I look at the <laughs> website and I'm like trying to fit like there's a thousand options. There's a thousand pull downs and a thousand different things you can do. Now, not the mini. I need the bigger one, the the first one. Okay, but there are so many little doodads and whatnots. I, I have no idea what I'm doing trying to build it, so I just never did it. But I want to. So. Yeah. That's how most people feel about the mister, but you did that. Yeah, that's true. I just need to dig into it a little deeper. Just have Doug do it for me. I'm just going to have Doug from 10 Mark just, just play smart order for me. <laughs> so I've seen the, yeah, in person we saw the 1500. Yeah. But this is the 1500 Mini, which 15, looks pretty darn cool. You could put so many different things in here. You could put a Raspberry Pi. You could put a mister. You can put all sorts of things inside of this case. It's a good looking little case. Yeah. And if, if it's anything like the first one, they're well built. Very cool. I just want to get an Amiga that runs reliably for me. Then I can worry about things like that. The twelve hundred works. It's just the the, the monitor. No, right? now it's the monitors are okay. the issue. Yes. Yeah, we need to get that resolved. Um, are we at the last item already? Yeah. Oh no, not, no. not yet. Not, not yet. yet. Not yet. Eric, you have another one. Yep. Two classic '90s games are being reprinted on Super Nintendo, and pre-orders are open now. And if you look at these games, I mean, this does seem to be like the the reason, the kind of reason I put this up was it does seem like a lot more games are following this trend where they're they're getting reissued. Have you noticed yeah. that? So I can tell you this game I already know, Jim Powers. Yeah. Uh, and The Lost Dimension. The Lost Dimension. I did own a copy of this. Yeah. I bought it at a shop. First of all, I, the game is terrible. Is it? <laughs> um, and it is owned by that Pico, a Pico guy, the, Pico Interactive. Yes, who basically is using that license in any of his licenses and just trying to get them anywhere. He's just trying to paint. There's paint. nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. I, no. I mean, this, to have an option to play any game or buy a physical of any game, awesome. But this guy is is trying to grab a dollar wherever he can. I've never played this, so you're, if you tell me it's bad, I'm going to believe you. Um, it's got this. Uh, this background that is just throws you for a loop the entire game. Um, apparently, a lot of people don't, I guess, don't know about this, or if, if it's true. I read that you're actually supposed to have, like, 3D glasses when you use it, okay. when you play this game, and then the effect makes sense. But when you, when you see video of it, it just makes you nauseous while you play it, and the game is just impossible to control. Okay. Um, sorry to crap on that. but No, no, I, I only put this on here really to show that there's so many game companies now trying to reissue stuff in the original formats. Which that, I, I think, is super cool. Yeah. So, the have other, you heard of this game? The other game here is Stone Protectors. Yep. Also on both the S, uh, SNES and the Genesis. Yep. I don't know anything about this one. Okay. Yeah, and I don't either. But it's, it's a physical box, physical game in their original cartridge formats. Um, so... I'm gonna I'm gonna show you some video of Jim Powers. Up, oh, that's a different Jim Powers. <laughs> that's a wrestler, brother. American professional wrestler Jim Powers. Uh, um, I'm not sure what to do here. It's a type SNES, but I need you to see this. So the, we're gonna take a look at the background on this, huh? A little bit, a little bit of gameplay here. Let's see. Let's hopefully, hopefully this gameplay shows it well. After we watch some terrible ad that has nothing at all to do with the Super Nintendo or this game. Yeah. Uh, that was ad one of two. Awesome. Oh, nope, we're actually in here. 
Is the classic game room. Ooh, it's almost like a reverse, um, like parallax like scrolling. Parallax, but when you go forward, the the background also goes forward. Like I, it's like it, I'm just getting nauseous looking at it. Yeah, it's almost like you are on the outside, the inside of a of a cylinder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you move one direction, the cylinder moves the other direction. So the background moves in the opposite direction. Yep. That you would expect. Uh, one thing that's cool about it, which I didn't know, I guess, because I never got past the first level because I couldn't stop vomiting. Yeah. Um, apparently, there's some top-down. Yeah, I see like, that sections and some shmup sections, some horizontal scrolling. Scrolling. Exactly. You got it right. Um, well, so now you know. Interesting. All right. Yeah. Eric, there's also two new NES games. What? Uh, one you can go download right now called Slow Mole for uh, name your own price. Slow mole. Slow mole on the NES. Well, uh, it's a little platformer. Yeah, very difficult platformer. I, I have not downloaded it yet. I do want to try it. And the way I typically do these is I download them for free. Okay. And then if they actually are any good and I put some time into it, I'll give them a couple bucks later. That's just my own personal... That's a fair way to do it. ...name your price thing. I feel like every time I actually pay money up front, the game's terrible. That's fair. <laughs> I want to give money to the people who earn it. Yep. Um, and then this one I'm very excited about. It actually got released the adventures of panzer now this game was kickstarted and backed and everything they had some demos out and now they actually are releasing the game itself um you can buy it now for 12 dollars or more and i guess you can actually download it now because before this link wasn't here so now it's available now it's available for 12 dollars. so what kind of game is this this is a uh game where you are a baddie what? It's <laughs> a, a game that a you bad play. Butt. I'm trying to keep my PG thing here. Oh, okay. There's no cool way to say bad A without yeah. sounding super dorky. <laughs> um, that's true. They don't have. Let's see if I click on it. Something pop. There we go. Here's some. Here's some gameplay. Do, do, do. Pixel Craft presents a new game for the NES console. Ooh. So it so it's is. Like a, um, it's kind of a platform where you, platform where your guy is really small. The sprites are really tiny. It almost reminds me of micro micro mages. Yeah, but it's a single player, you know, scrolling action hack and slash. I guess. Okay. But it looks like it's got five levels and exciting special abilities. Apparently, I like special abilities. Oh, I think it looks cool. It does look cool. It has epic boss battles, Eric. That's important. It it had a very colorful. Um, it it looks like it'd be a blast. For twelve bucks, I'll probably give it a shot. Yep, I still haven't played the last game. I spent twelve bucks on because I can't load onto my Pi Amiga. Oh, haven't figured out how to do that yet. Okay, you you bought it as well. Um, which one was that? That was. Help me out, Eric. We you just bought Pi it. Amiga, as well. It's not it's not uh, Metal Slug uh, or not Metal Slug uh, Metal Gear. That's no, one thing no, I put no. on the Pi Amiga recently. Um, no, you just want it's a. It's you had to buy it. Oh, that's going to kill me now. Uh, was it, uh... I have to go to Indie Retro News and dig it up real quick here to see if I can find it. Was it start with an I? Is it a shoot-em-up? I, I... Iliviad, or... Yes, it starts with an A. A, um, That's it. It's, um... I thought it was an I, but you might be right. I, uh, I want to say a pity, but it's not a pity. It's not a pity, but it, it's... I hope people at home right now are screaming at us like yeah, they know like, the answer. They're like, like God, ah! this is not entertaining! 
Um, it starts with an I. Oh, you're is. right. It is. In in v- and, and the reason that didn't connect with me is I played on the CD32. Oh, you did? There's a version that is included in the download that's actually the ISO. It burns it right there, and it plays it on the CD32. How Beautiful. was it? It looks awesome. Oh, it's awesome. It is is, it? It's great. It's great. Is it play... <laughs> I mean, it looks like our type, but I don't think it plays like our type. It does not play like our type. It, it, um, I, I will tell you this: it, the first level, it's like one of those weird games where the first level's kind of tough, and so you're like, "Oh man, this is going to be." Oh, no, it does sound like a pity. And then once you get <laughs> once you get past it, it actually kind of gets easier. So I don't know why they made it that way, but they did. But it, it's it took me a while to get past the first level, but once I did, I started enjoying it a lot more. So I bought it. I downloaded it. I really want to play it. Oh, no, it's a blast. Um, to the point where I might just hook my A1200 straight composite out to my TV just so I could play it. Yeah. Because uh, We don't can have... get it on the Pi Amiga. I don't know. You'll, what... have to, you'll have to help me out with that, hopefully yeah, yeah. here in a little bit here. but Definitely. Um, and then Tim has one last thing for us to say. Eric? Yep. Our good friend Doug, which is at 10 Mark, our 10-minute Amiga, Amiga retrocast. Yep. Um. Received an A600 and a bunch of other goodies from me in August. He did a video of the unboxing and is now doing a series on the A600 and and what he is what he is doing <laughs> to customize it. Go subscribe to Doug's channel and watch it as he is very close to 5,000 subscribers. Well done, Doug. Yeah, Doug's a, one thing about Doug's videos. Yes. I've, <laughs> I've learned a ton from Doug's videos because I've I, I watched. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm making up for lost time with my, yeah. get my soundboard here. But he's had a lot of great series of videos. Like one was just helping you with the syntax for like the Amiga command line. And I was never good at that because I didn't have an Amiga back in the day. And I watched his video and I'm sitting there like becoming a pro at like the command line. And uh, that, he's sounds, just, that sounds like a sweet Friday night to it, me. Eric. Exactly. It was like <laughs> watching, so much fun. Watching Doug do some command white line. text on black background command line stuff yep. sweet but his his uh his uh youtube channel is is very good so. 10 minute amiga retrocast um eric yeah do you know what you get when you take a commodore 64 and made it to another commodore 64 let me if i can if i'm doing my math right Using mm-hmm, Common mm-hmm. Core math. Common Core, yeah. That'll, Let that'll, me carry the you. 64. You get a 128. A C128. That's yep. a com- Commodore computer I don't have yet, Eric. Oh, yeah. You don't have one. Okay. But, but if I did buy one, the first yeah. thing I'd do would be to recap it with a cap kit from RetroRewind.ca. RetroRewind.ca slash Pixel Gaiden. Absolutely. If you go there, you can order your recapping of your commodore 128 as well as recapping of any commodore computer like and what? they need it brother they hey, do brother they do need it have you looked at your caps brother nope yeah you need to take a look at them because they're blowing up they're ticking time bombs they're ticking time bombs so if you go here and you do have a, a commodore 128 uh he's also got cool stuff for you for example if you have the commodore diagnostic kit yeah then you, all you need now at this point is a uh, a cartridge for your c128 and the keyboard dongle Replace dongle. those two items, <laughs> dongle, <laughs> and uh, for for just like twenty something bucks, yeah, uh, cheap, yeah, you can now diagnose any part of your Commodore one twenty eight, which you can't do with the standard. No, you, you can't. can do the C sixty four features of one twenty eight, but not all the features. Yep. But if you head on down to retro rewind dot ca forward slash pixel guiden, you can pick up those items. 
Yeah. But they don't need to cost 20 something dollars, Eric. They should cost slightly less than that. They should. They should cost 10% less than that. And that's you know why what? I, that's why. You can do that. You know, I use PG10 when I check out. How would you like a discount, brother? Off at Retro, C, retro <laughs> Rewind CA forward slash Pixel Guide <laughs> for all your Commodore 128 needs. Please. Woo! That's Ric Flair. Now what? Yeah. There's my WW whatever <laughs> knowledge. The World Wildlife Federation knowledge. Um, I think it is time for us to hear what Eric has to say. Oh. This month on Eric's Take, I thought I'd try something new. Uh, I haven't really done this before, so uh, hope if, hopefully it comes out okay. I'm going to try to do this all in one take. No notes, nothing. So for Eric's Take this month, I'm going to talk about the Super Nintendo. And the reason I chose this topic was that I read recently that it is its 30th anniversary last month in August. Uh, so it's been around for 30 years and I still have some very clear memories of the Super Nintendo and where I was in my life at the time. And I want to kind of share my memories of the Super Nintendo as well as some of the peripherals and a couple of games. I'm not going to go too much into many games, but maybe two or three that I really enjoyed uh, back in the day. And then uh, we'll see how this turns out. <clears throat> so let's try this out. I got my Super Nintendo sometime around 1993, and I don't even remember specifically what month or even if I have the year right, but I think it was around 93. It was the first console that I purchased that I used my own money from working and... Uh, it, it, the funny thing is, it, during that time period was one of the leanest time periods I've ever had. I was almost always working two jobs, sometimes three, trying to go to school, um, and it, it was a it was a pretty rough time. But I do remember that, like a stupid kid, around I don't know, I think it was twenty two years old, twenty three, twenty two probably. Um, I was living in a really crappy apartment. I mean, you wouldn't believe this thing. It was it was just not 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 a fun place to live. But uh I wanted a Super Nintendo and the reason I did was that one of my friends had one. He got one maybe a year before that and he was doing some wild things with it. Uh things um that really impressed me and I wanted to do these things, which is funny because I did end up getting a Super Nintendo, but I didn't end up doing the exact things he was doing. But uh, I had a friend who was big on the BBS scene. He was running a pirate board and he was trading Super Nintendo games online. And you, you're asking, well, how can someone do that? Uh, you know, these are cartridges, but he had this thing called the Super Wild Card, and it was a device that plugged into the top of his Super Nintendo, and it had a three and a half inch floppy 
disk drive built right into this device that plugs right into the top of the Super Nintendo. And so he was, he ran this BBS off an Amiga, but he was, had this whole, um, forum in there where they were just swapping, uh, Super Nintendo games and you could load them up and you could, you know, you could save them to a floppy disk from the Amiga and you could load them right up on the Super Famicom or I'm sorry, the Super Nintendo. And it, it blew my mind. It, it kind of merged two worlds for me, which was video games and, and, and video game consoles and BBSing, which at that time I was still pretty well into uh, even though a couple of years after this, I would probably my my interest in BBSing would start to wane a bit, but not so in '93. So I saw this friend of mine who had a Super Nintendo. I saw that he had um, this Super Wildcard device, and I I was sold. I wanted in. So like a dumb kid, I I didn't have any money. I mean, this was probably the poorest I was, uh, as an adult that I've ever been in my life. I, I mean, as an adult in my life and I still had a credit card. And so I went out and bought a super Nintendo and I'm sure I spent years paying that thing off and probably wasn't the wisest choice at the time. But, uh, when all your friends have something, you, you want in on the action. So I, I gra grabbed that. And during the life of the super Nintendo, um, I only had maybe, I want to say like six or seven games total. I, I, and I, I just didn't have the money to buy any more games. So that's what I had. Um, and I'll talk about two or three of those, but first I wanted to talk about, um, me and my circle of friends and what we would do. And we would go over to each other's house and we would play super Nintendo games and we would use a multi-tap. We would play all sorts of games like super Bomberman, uh, super Bomberman two. We would play, um, you know, um, what am I thinking? Street fighter two championship edition. We would play, um, NBA Jam 95, uh, we would play all sorts of multiplayer games and it was kind of, a the party game machine. And, uh, that, that was one of the reasons that made me go out and buy this thing. And a couple of years later, when I got my first real job in it, uh, cause at this time I was working in a, my main job was working at a pizza place. Um, and, and then trying to go to college at the same time. Uh, but I'd have various other jobs. I, I had at, at the same time, I'd work at comp USA. I worked at a place called computer arena. Uh, I worked at, um, God, it was a, even another little job that I had. Um, Oh, it was a place called Thompson Diggs, and they warehoused sporting goods. And I, I kept track of their inventory via this huge file cabinet, but anyway, getting off track here. The point is I had many, many jobs and not a lot of money. So, my personal Super Nintendo collection was pretty weak. Uh, I do remember buying uh, the multi-tap so I could play certain games, and and uh, and uh, and I had to buy a second controller. I remember getting that, but we would always have a rule in our multiplayer games where it would be a buy your uh, bring your own controller BYOC bring bring your own controller. So we would all get together and plug them in and have have a great time. Um, 
I, the, the one game that I remember being super hyped for coming out and was kind of disappointed in it was Killer Instinct. And at the time, there were commercials on TV and there were ads for it. And I remember on day one, I went down, I, I think it was, God, I don't even, Circuit City or something like that, some store. And I was lucky enough to find it in stock on, on the launch date. <laughs> and I played it and convinced myself it was good. And in in hindsight, of course, it's just not that great of a fighting game, especially when I had Street Fighter 2 and loved that game and played it to death. But um, anyway, I, 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 my, I know this, I'm probably going off on all sorts of different tangents here, but so my main memory of Super Nintendo was that I lived in a really crappy little apartment all by myself and would play the Super Nintendo when I'd get off work and really, I don't want to say like, I don't want to overinflate its importance, but during that time period, I mean, it kind of kept me sane because I was being pulled in so many different directions. I had to work so many jobs just to afford the rent on this crappy little apartment. But anyway, um, it, about, like I was saying, about two years later, I got a serious job in IT working at Prima Publishing, which publishes strategy guides for video games. And they were just getting in on the tail end of Super Nintendo or, or wrapping up the tail end of Super Nintendo coverage. But the cool thing is working there, I had access to all of these strategy guides. I mean, they were in the warehouse. They were just sitting on shelves of, of Super Nintendo games. And so I did have my pick of all sorts of strategy guides and I would read through them and kind of select games based on that. I would um, check out games that we had laying around at Prima Games for my Super Nintendo. And uh, I'd have to bring them back, of course, but I did try out a lot of cool games back then. Um, it, 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 you know, just have a lot of really good linked memories to the Super Nintendo. But in regards to games that I personally owned, I don't remember the first games I bought or the last games, but a couple that really uh, are embedded in my memory are Super Bomberman 2, uh, because that was the big party game that I would play with all my friends. We had the multi-tap and we would play that. We would drink and we would play that game for hours and hours. And it, I still have a love for that game. Uh, I, I bought the real cartridge when I got back into Super Nintendo, um, probably about, I don't know, 10 years ago now, nine years ago. Um, it was one of the first cartridges I went and sought out because I have such good memories of that game. Um, and really it was because of all the friends I had at that time and, and, and playing multiplayer with that. Then uh, the other game that really sticks out in my mind was because I loved it in the arcade was Street Fighter II Championship Edition. Uh, I remember getting that and just was floored because it was, in my, to my eyes, it was arcade perfect. I uh, Street Fighter II was one game I played in the arcade a lot, spent a lot of quarters on that, even uh, just just going out with friends, playing single player. Whenever I'd see a Street Fighter II machine, I'd get on it. That pizza place I worked at had a Street Fighter II uh, arcade cabinet, and I would just uh, play that. And just having it at home meant so much to me. Uh, just an uh, incredible game. 
Um, the next game was a game I played a lot, solo and multiplayer, and it really got me into this genre, was NBA Live 95. And so that would have been... You know, I had started a real job. Um, I was paying down the debt that I had, the, you know, charging up the credit card to buy the Super Nintendo in the first place. Uh, but I remember getting NBA. I was really into um, Sacramento basketball and was really a Kings fan. And I remember just getting NBA Jam or NBA Live '95 and playing seasons all the way through as the Kings and. Um, I would, we, we would bring our cartridges over to our, to, to each other's house and we would play, we would play season games. We'd always, we, we, we'd play against each other a lot, but a lot of times we all played on the same team, which you could do with the multi-tap. So you could have four players all playing on the same team. And that was, it was just a blast. I mean, if you, if you play NBA live 95 now, I mean, the graphics look very pixelated and rudimentary and everything, but the gameplay was solid on that, and it got me into basketball games for many years. When moved to PlayStation and then PlayStation Two, I remember I was really into basketball games, and I'm not so much anymore. And really, I think it's because the games have gotten so complex. Uh, it, it I, I just can't remember all the different moves and all the different buttons you have to press. I mean, I remember with a Super Nintendo uh, controller, you could hit one of the trigger buttons for turbo and hold, you know, hit, hit the shoot button or pass button. Or, I mean, it was, you really could get away with using three buttons or so and, and, and play the game. Um, but I, I have just really good fond memories of NBA live 95. And then I told you a little bit about killer instinct, but I, that was one game where I kind of learned my lesson. I really did try to love that game. I, I bought it full price and I, I had read the hype and heard the hype and I, I don't want to say it was a really bad game because I do remember enjoying it, but I kind of remember just comparing it to street fighter and thinking, I mean, street fighter was such a better game. And even though the graphics tried to be kind of photorealistic and, and, uh, it, it something just didn't ring right with me on that game. And so I don't know. I just, I couldn't get into it, but I do remember the hype. It was one of the, Earliest games, um, console games, I remember just being a lot of hype around because, I mean, the console I had before the Super Nintendo was an Atari 5200 that I had at my parents' house way back when, and I just don't remember hype for the Atari 5200 games. I remember you'd go to Toys R Us and you'd just see rows and rows of Atari 5200 games and you would pick one, and I just wasn't, I guess, tuned into the scene for the Atari 5200 that was one thing that the Super Nintendo did is there was a there was this scene that I got into and would hear about new games coming out and uh, man it was just it was just amazing I, I have really great memories of that but anyway that that's really all I wanted to cover was uh, the mainly the memories and the time period of my life with the Super Nintendo being the very first console that I got with with uh, my own money and I'm I. 30 years. I mean, it just doesn't seem like that long ago and it, it, it really blows my mind. But anyway, thanks for listening to Eric's take and I appreciate it. I will talk to you next month. So this is Eric again and, uh, I didn't do too bad. I went back and I listened to this recording and it was all one take. Uh, but I did uh, have some instant errata. So here is what I got wrong. 
Street Fighter 2 Championship Edition didn't come out on Super Nintendo. It was called Super Street Fighter 2. And then later there was a Turbo Edition. And I believe the one I had was just Super Street Fighter 2. Uh, so the, I, it would, it would be much later when I get championship edition, I think on the PlayStation. Uh, so anyway, it got that wrong. And then early on, I talked about NBA jam 95. And of course I meant NBA live 95. Uh, but otherwise, uh, I think it did okay for a one take, uh, Eric's take. Thanks for listening. See you next month. Hey guys, how about we take a little break? Check with our friend over the pond. That's right. It's tea time with Tim. Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of Tea Time with Tim. Coming up on this episode we're going to be talking about the Microsoft Xbox and some of the games that I've chosen to play for this episode of the Pixel Gaiden podcast. So sit back, grab a beverage and let's go back to the early 2000s. For those of you that don't know, that's the familiar sounds of the Xbox boot-up sequence. Something I've not heard from my Xbox for many, many years. I think it's got to be at least 10 years since I really last started playing games on the Xbox in anger. So my Xbox is a day of release version that turned up in a big box with five consoles that I ordered to sell in my shop back in 2002 when it was first released here in the UK. It was launched earlier in the USA in November of 2001. If you don't already know, the Xbox is essentially a PC, with a custom Pentium 3 733 MHz processor, 64 MB of SD RAM, a custom NVIDIA GeForce 3-based GPU, and internal IDE which powers a hard disk drive and the DVD-ROM drive. The commercially shipped games were originally available on DVD discs, But the Xbox is also well known for being one of the most modded systems because of its open PC style architecture. These days you are able to do a hard or soft mod of the system and run backup games either from Burton DVDs or, like me, you can download hard drive ready images of the games and FTP them over to your Xbox from your PC directly onto the hard drive. If you're going to do that, I would recommend that you upgrade the internal drive as the drives that were shipped with the Xbox originally were only around about 10 gigabytes. One of the things I always remember about the early releases of the Xbox is the supersized controllers. They were massive to hold in your hand. Later they released the S or the small version of the controller. These were much smaller and much better to hold. I always use the smaller version but I still have both the big size controllers that came with my original Xbox. So anyways, I'm not going to dwell too much on the hardware as there are lots of videos out there explaining all about the hardware and the history of the Xbox. Let's get on to some games. Like I mentioned earlier, I've not powered on this console for more than a few minutes in the la- in the last 10 years. So I thought, let's have a look at some of the good games on the system that passed me by and Although I had the Xbox, at the time my gaming was much done on the PS2, which by the time the Xbox came out was hitting its stride and getting a really good quality release of games. So back in the day, the Xbox was well known for games like Halo. While I don't mind this type of game, they're not top of my playlist, so I've avoided these type of games coming up. 
the games that I have chosen are ones that I have seen that are good top-rated games that I have not played, or ones that I'm curious about on the Xbox to try. I've got a few games here to go through, some I know relatively well, and some I've never really played before. So some I'm going to go into a bit of detail, and some I'm just going to really just have a quick brief overview on. So first up, we've got a game that I've seen on different systems, but not played for any real length of time until now. This is The Simpsons Hit and Run. This was developed by Radical Entertainment in 2003. This is a great mission-based driving, wrecking and an exploration type game. The basic plot of the game is there are mysterious happenings around Springfield after the invasion of some robot wasps. You start out as Homer picking up different missions along the way. As you complete those missions and you move further into the game, you go on to other Simpsons characters like Bart, Lisa, Marge and the Quickie Mart owner, Apu. I've managed to play the first few missions. So the first mission is pretty basic. As always, you start as Homer and he's eaten all the snacks and he has to drive to the Quickie Mart, go buy some more snacks and the new improved Buzz Cola by getting in his car and driving to the store. Along the way, you can knock over mailboxes, signs, and almost run over the other Springfield residents in a GTA style. I got a few missions in, but because I'm covering so many games for this episode, I've not gone in-depth. But what I played of this seems to be like a total blast, and well-deserved of its good reviews back in the day, and considered one of the better games on the Xbox. Next up is a game called Top Spin, which is a tennis game by Microsoft. I've always enjoyed tennis games on computers and consoles. My first tennis love was Match Point on the ZX Spectrum, and then moving on a bit later to Virtua Tennis on the Dreamcast. This is one of my all-time best games on the system. So I took the chance to try out this title on the Xbox. This is a first-party release developed by Power and Magic and released by Microsoft Studios. This was released in 2003 on the Xbox and also got a release on the PS2 and the PC. Top Spin has all the usual game modes as you would expect in a tennis game. You can play an exhibition match, a career mode and multiplayer for up to four players and you can even play or you used to be able to play four players online over Xbox Live. I chose exhibition mode and you can choose to play at different levels. These being Grand Slam, Major Professional, Professional, Minor Professional and Playground levels. In Grand Slam mode, you can choose to play the world's big stadiums like London, Wimbledon, Australia, Melbourne Park and America, Flushing Meadows. You can also choose men or women's tennis players and these were from the 2000 era. So players like Leighton Hewitt, Pete Sampras, Martina Hingis and Anna Kornikova. I had a few goes on the Grand Slam mode, but really I liked playing in the playground level, as you can choose to play around tennis clubs and outdoor courts around the world. Graphics and sound in the game are top-notch for the generation of console, and the general presentation of the menus and options in the game are also nice. Controls are usual for a tennis game. There is a meter that appears to judge the power of your serve. Staying on the baseline, you can choose your short shot, so like a forehand or a backhand shot. You can chip, volley and smash the ball, depending on the return from your opponent. 
There is also the option to choose your reaction to winning or losing a point by pressing the black or clear buttons on the controller. This will make the player react by showing different emotions. This is a great tennis game and one that I will be returning to in the future. The next game on the list is Zionide, one of the few shoot-em-ups on the Xbox. This was released in 2006 and developed by Playlogic Entertainment. This is an on-rails shooter played in a 2D, 3D perspective, not like the traditional top-down shooters you know and love. Before I started looking specifically for Xbox shooters, I had never heard of this game. This was so late in the Xbox development cycle, being launched in mid-2006, a full year after the launch of the Xbox 360. This was the last exclusive game to be released for the Xbox. The best way to describe this is an on-rails twin-stick shooter. The controls take a little to get used to, with the left stick controlling your ship and the right stick controlling the direction you fire in a 360 degree motion. The left trigger button, if you hold it down, brings up a targeting system for your missile. As you move through the levels, other enemies appear in waves, filling the screen from different directions onto the screen, so you need to clear them quickly before the screen fills with bullets. You also get larger base ships that you have to target specific areas on to defeat. There are four different power-ups to select, and this is done by pressing the X button to switch between the different modes. Each power-up has different effects on different types of enemies, so you have to work out which weapon is suitable to get far in the game. There are two different modes of play of the game. First up is arcade mode, and then level mode. Arcade mode is playing the game through and unlocking the levels as you go. Level mode allows you to practice the levels that you have unlocked. In arcade mode, there are several difficulty levels, starting at novice, apprentice, regular, adept and ace. The backstory of the game is played out in a sequence of different movies that are selectable, but not played as cutscenes in the game as they are quite long. The game just takes you in cold, so you might want to start to delve into the movies before playing. The first chapter is available, and then the rest are unlocked as you go through the game. Essentially, you are Drake the Executioner, for the judges of Planet Mardar. Your job is to carry out the execution of the evil witch Agira. However, just as Agira is about to meet her demise, the ship is struck by an asteroid that contains the element Zionide and infects Agira. She is now enabled with powers to create new worlds and powerful enemies. It's your mission to defeat Agira by completing all the levels in the game. There are very few decent shooters on the Xbox, and this one coming along so late in the life cycle is one worth checking out. Next up is the classic racer, Project Gotham Racing 2. This is a game I played a ton back in the day, and I think it's one that most people know on the Xbox. Covering this for the podcast was a great excuse for me to go back and play this game a little. If you are new to the Xbox, this is a game that I think you really must play. Project Gotham Racing 2, or PGR2, was developed by Bizarre Creations as a first-party title under the Microsoft Game Studio publishing arm. It was released in November 2003 in America and in Europe at the same time. Following on from the Dreamcast game, Metropolis Street Racer, and then the very first Project Gotham Racing, this builds on the basic racing principle of working your way through the racing ranks 
earning kudos and buying quicker and more exotic cars to go racing in. The game could be played in several different modes, single player and multiplayer. Single player gives you the option of kudos world series, which is like a career mode, arcade racing and time attack. Multiplayer gives you the option of Xbox Live, which is no longer available, split-screen racing, and a local system link. I can remember playing the Xbox Live and split-screen, but never got to try the system link. That would be good fun to try nowadays, I think. Going back to the main game mode, which is QDOS World Series, you start out in the Compact Sport Series, with cars like the Mini Cooper S, the Renault Clio V6 and the Volkswagen R32. And then you can then work your way all the way up to the Ultimate Series with the fastest cars like the Pagani Zonda, the Koenigsegg CC and the Enzo Ferrari. In each series you need to complete challenges across different driving disciplines, like a flat-out street race against cars in the same series, cone challenges, which is going round a track in between uh, the cone gates, drifting around corners to earn kudos, and the speed camera challenge, which is where you have to drive a section of a track and make sure you get to the end of the section at a set speed when you go across the speed camera. In this game, earning kudos is king. This is how you score in the game. Also, if you crash or sustain a lot of damage to your car during a race or a challenge, you get kudos points taken away from your total. Purchasing new cars is done using kudos tokens. These are earned as you go through the game by completing the various different series, races and challenges. This is just a stone-cold classic racer on the Xbox and one I would recommend you check out. Now, next up is a game which is a bit of a curveball, and this is Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball. Now, I know this is not the most PC of titles, and the main reason for choosing this game, quite frankly, I'm amazed how this game got through, even back in 2003, when this was released by Temco, and was also developed by Team Ninja, the same developers as the Amazing Ninja Gaiden series. I wanted to check this out out of a sheer morbid sense of curiosity, just to see how bad the portrayal of the women characters were in this game. From first look, it lives up to that very low bar. Lots of cutscenes with attractive, thin, busty women in skimpy bikinis on the beach. I got to admit that when I did actually play the actual game itself, it wasn't too bad a volleyball game. But I can't get round that awkward feeling, and it makes me very uncomfortable playing a game like this. However, I will do it for the podcast, ever the professional, playing the games myself so you don't have to. One thing that did strike me about this game is the soundtrack. There are songs from the like, likes of Bob Marley, Christina Aguilera, Aswad, and one that strikes me as very odd is Bewitched, which is an Irish girl band that were popular in the late 890s and early noughties. Not a band I would have considered to have been included in a Japanese-developed game because they were mainly a UK-based band, but maybe they were big in Japan too. So a bit about the game itself. Essentially, you are on Zack Island and are playing from the choice of female characters taken from the Dead or Alive games, namely Ayan, Christine, Helena, Hitomi, Kasumi, Li Fang, Lisa and Tina. 
each of these characters has its own likes and dislikes and can have an influence on how the game plays out. The basic principle is to choose one of the characters and start the game. Pair up with another player and win through the volleyball games. Along the way, you earn Zack Bucks. This is how you can purchase new items in the beach shop. You can also win more bucks in the island casino. The volleyball game itself is always a two-on-two against format. One person serving and to the other pair for them to either block, set or spike the ball. You can choose a weak hit to set up a shot or a hard hit or a smash to try and get the winning point. I guess there is something there if you're a big volleyball fan, but I can't get around the uneasy feeling of playing a game just for women to progress in the game by winning money to buy more swimsuits. I have now satisfied my curiosity of this game and suggest that you take my time with this and not venture into this one yourself. So that's it for this month's Tea Time with Tim on the Xbox and some games that I chose to play. If you enjoyed this one, I'd love to hear some feedback from you. You can email us at podcast at pixelguiden.com. You can also get me on Twitter, which is at Sanxion. That's at S-A-N-X-I-O-N. Okay, thanks. And until the next one, take care, everyone. Bye. And we're back. Can't you see? That was gold, Tim. That Solid gold. Time for another beer. Yes. I wrote the song myself. Are we ready for another beer? Or were you just joking? Oh, I'm we ready for another beer. <laughs> Don't kid around about that. <laughs> You're messing with my emotions. Um. Yeah, let's let's have it. Let's let's fuel up with another beer and dig uh, into our six good games segment. How about that? That sounds like a plan. Mm-hmm. I've been wanting to try this one, so the next beer is on me. Ooh, another tall boy. Another tall boy. Check that out. Um, ooh, I've got here a little chunk of ice came with mine. I had a, a, a hangers on here. Now I, I'm going to let you put that back in there so I don't get water everywhere. I bought a four-pack of these, but I've been saving them all week. I haven't tried this. King Kong Brewery, Sacramento, California. I have not heard of King Kong Brewery. They are in the heart of Del Paso Heights, which is where I grew up. Oh. Bad, bad neighborhood. So <laughs> this is from a bad, bad neighborhood. Bad boys, bad boys. What you going to do? But it's starting to, get like, uh, starting to get revitalized in certain areas. But this is King Kong Brewery in Sacramento. It's called, it's a Prague at night. Dark Czech lager. All right. So this is a dark Czech lager. Uh, apologies to any of our listeners who happen to be from Del Paso. <laughs> oh. <laughs> hey, I grew up there. I, I you don't can say what you want. I actually had a very good time. <laughs> I don't want to say good time, but I never had any problems you in had, Del Paso. Heights. You had life shaping uh, moments. Yep. I uh, grew up there, and I don't regret it. Cheers, good sir. Cheers. <laughs> frothy head that looks just like the last beer we had it is very dark with a very white foam on top that's right more, more foamy though Whoop. all right Whoop. going in hit the mic yeah go on in there give that a try because i don't know i've never had this so it could it's going to be hit or miss hmm hmm it smells toasty well i'll tell you it's a hit it's not a miss it's a hit Del Paso Heights coming through. Very different than the last beer we had, which most beer will be. Right. 
It's but a, it looks so similar that it's kind of uh, shockingly different. It's a bit nutty. It, it is, actually. It is. Uh, it's, got, uh, it's got like a nuttiness, a maltiness. Yeah. But it's also where the last one was like creamy and almost sugary. Right. This is almost like dry to the point where it like sucks the moisture out of your mouth. Yep. This <laughs> isn't creamy. No, that's for sure. Hmm. It's actually pretty good, though. I like it. I like it. In a different way. I can see myself drinking this like... <laughs> all night if i'm like yeah i remember so one time we went camping at big sur and the best part of camping down there was that you know they had these little little kind of well-worn campsites down there you, yeah um uh, but anyway anyone in the uk by the way when we go camping we don't just sit in a field we go amongst the trees. There's little dirt. There's fire pits. There's like dirt areas. This particular campsite I'm talking about had a stream going by it that we just like dove in from time to time. It was awesome. But then if you walk up this dirt path, the very top of the hill up by where there is a street, um, there was a like a log cabin, but it was a bar inside. What? It was awesome. Within walking distance? Yeah. How late was that open? Within stumbling distance. And it had a Miss Pac-Man machine in it. That sounds like heaven. Probably one of my favorite camping experiences ever because we were there for two nights at a disc golf tournament, which we held on the campsite, yeah. playing disc golf for two days straight. And then at night, we'd go up there to the bar, which is awesome, the pool table and Miss Pac-Man and dark ales. I got a whole bunch of downtown browns. Wow. And uh, and stumbled home a quarter, you know, a quarter mile down some dirt paths back to my campsite. It was awesome. That sounds amazing. That's not like that's not the camping experiences I I've had. <laughs> <laughs> I've had worse ones, but yeah, mine, this one's it might great. have been pretty bad. So I I don't go very often anymore. So. Not much of a camper, huh? No, not anymore. All right. So this is a prog. So using your best progian Czechoslovakian accent. <laughs> <laughs> Let's rate this. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> Sweet. Um, I'm looking for anything on this can to kind of give us a hint of what we can rate it out There's a moon. Of. There's a big moon because it's Prague at night. Yep. Yep. Steeples in, in front of a moon. <laughs> so, so Steeples. Let's do steeples. There you go. How many steeples in front of a blood orange moon? Out of 64 steeples. Okay. 64 steeples. I'm going to give this a... I got my number. I'm going to give it a 50. 51. Wow, there we go. Yep. We are in agreement. That's close enough. I like it. I like it. Um, all right, six good games. If I can find the button. Six good games. The one thing about these Italian mugs yeah. is I want to hold them with two hands like a hot cup of cocoa. Yeah, like we're sitting by the fire. And it is a thick, stouty beer, so I'm like, hmm. But it's a logger. That's what's funny. I'm hoping in my new place I can put like a polar bear rug on the floor. It's like a oh, leather no. with like a leather uh, <laughs> yeah. the high backed chair. Yeah. And I can just sit there with like a an argyle I'm not coming over, dude. <laughs> wool blanket on my lap, sipping my beer out of an Italian mug. I'm not coming over because we're not laying on that bearskin rug. <laughs> Unless I'm the big spoon. <laughs> oh, wow. Hold on. <laughs> and Eric's all oh, like joy. Yeah. Huh. Hey, uh, let's battle. Uh, nope, nope. Six good games. Six good games. Almost did it. Almost yep. did it. Six good games, Eric. Like you said earlier, that. Yeah. You pick this one, so you explain it the way you want to explain it, and then I'm going to explain it the way I, I've twisted it. Oh yeah, because you, you twisted it all up. I did twist it all. Well, up. Let's talk about six good games. If we can find it on our list, that are hard 
to fit into a genre. Yep. That's that's the way I more or less put it. People don't understand the challenge of this podcast. We have so much content that we put it into one document and we have a hard time finding what's in the document. We need a document to sort the document. We need a, uh, what are those, ex- those uh, Excel files that I'm learning about now? A pivot sheet. The pivot sheets, yeah. A pivot sheet. Yeah. Genre-define games, Eric. Genre-defying. Div-defy, not defining, but defying. defying. So, ones that are hard to categorize. Yep. You I'll go lead, first. You want to lead the dance here? Sure, we'll have to save this little one you have at the end here. Yeah, because I left Secret. it off because I, I wanted to see if you can guess it. Uh, well, well I'll, I'll give you hints. You only ever talk about ten games, so it's going to be one of those. No. <laughs> well, let me go ahead and... and, and bring up my first one now mine actually is kind of controversial if you will okay um it is a game called fire striker on the super nintendo yeah now when i first looked at this game i was looking at the later levels and couldn't quite tell what it was and it was looked fun and exciting yeah um you could say oh it's an arkanoid clone okay or brick breaker okay but this game, if I had to, def- if I had to define it, it is an Arkanoid clone where they change every rule you've ever had in Arkanoid and made it completely different. Interesting. So, uh, yeah, and when I saw it, I'm like, I have to play this. <clears throat> okay, and um, this is on Super Nintendo. Okay, and it was released in America, even though it's very Japanese. Yeah, it I've never looks, seen this. It looks like a JRPG actually when you first load it up here. Yeah, one player, two player, or multi. I never played multi mode. Don't know what that is. Apparently re- released in 1994 fantasy themed in fact there's a storyline with like the world's fate rests with you good luck um that i mean it's a tacked on story where you're a fire striker uh there's an overworld map with like you know your volcano area your ice area and you can go down these paths and you start levels and when you start it feels very much like uh strikey sisters I was going to say, this looks exactly like Strikey Sisters. The, which uh, Eric and I have talked about. We've played, uh, yeah. We, and we, we played on one of our, our rare game nights. So here's what's different about it. So you are, and this is why I don't think it feels anything like even Strikey Sisters. It kind of feels like Strikey Sisters, but nothing like Arkanoid. Okay. So first of all, when you hit the ball up towards the bricks, yeah. gravity pulls it downwards. So and it will bounce against the ground. And then not go as high, then bounce again, not go as high. Yeah. So it's got gravity pulling it downwards on the screen. At the bottom of the screen, it's not always flat. There could be here, you know, mountain ranges and things here to make it yeah. uneven. And there are bricks behind you. So your goal is to keep it from hitting those bricks enough times where they break open, creating a, a gap, and then keep it from going in that gap. And then it regr- like almost like regresses. It's almost like you're going uphill. Yeah, so as you're moving forward, yeah. uh, there's enemies and things, and there's block blocks you can break, uh, and you can break further and further as you scroll upwards. You can break open chests, and you physically, your your guy is you're a guy with a um, a sword. Yeah, you're not a paddle, and he can walk out left, up, down, left, right, anywhere on the screen. It's not like a paddle that's at the bottom of the screen the whole time. So, what's the second dude do? So the second dude is just there to take up space. Okay, so he's almost like a little fail-safe for you. But if you play two players, that guy can move. That guy, okay. Um, Also, when you are... When you strike, you actually hit a button to to swing your sword. The the direction you're pressing when you do that is where the the orb will go. Okay. So it's, uh, you know, it's got eight-way, basically. Up, down, left, right, or the diagonals. Yeah. Um... 
Some of the levels are you simply just have to break enough bricks to get through the gap in the top. Sometimes you have to find a key to unlopen, open, unlock a door in the top. Sometimes there will be a button or a certain point you have to hit enough times to slowly inch the door at the top open and then right. hit the ball through it. And then there's always uh, boss battles. And the boss battles are a lot of fun because you got to figure out how they attack. Uh, there's an, always an orb, a blue orb that turns red. When it's red, you can hit it and attack it. See how the gravity is pulling that ball downward? Right. And in this case, the second player is actually moving here. That When I played, the, it just sat there. But when that ball gets near that second player, it'll attack it forward. Right. Looks like he smacks it. Um, there's health. There's power-ups. There's continues. There's this little thing up here where as you beat bosses in each realm... Yeah. You have, there's mini-bosses, and then there's like realm bosses... And as you eat, beat bosses, it'll fill in one of these. I'm going to call it a Triforce. It looks almost like the Zelda Triforce, but there's four. It's Quad Force. I'll call it the Quad Force. <laughs> there's four sections to it. Yeah. Um, and then as you beat the bosses in those areas, and you'll see here very shortly, you will unlock other player, other fire strikers, I guess. There's like an Earth guy, or Earth striker, a water striker, and these like Roman Colosseum looking things. Hold on, I have to slow down now. Now it's going too quick. They're moving too fast for me here. These little Roman Colosseum things, when you beat the bosses in those, you get a new Fire Striker, and here they are. You can see all... There's the Earth guy, little mermaid for the water level. Right. And then this is like a robot golem guy. And you need those guys to to get through certain parts on other levels. So it's almost kind of got that... You have to revisit other parts of other levels. Oh. Anyways, Almost I, like a Metroidvania. Almost. I played all the way through it. I beat the game. Really? Did you have fun with it? I did. I'm not going to say it's a it, it's a good game. I'm not going to say it's a great game. Right. But with all that stuff I had to tell you, I can hardly just say it's a, a Arkanoid clone because it's almost not at all. Right. It's like they started with the idea and then just, pardon my French, bastardized it all the way until it's some, <laughs> some completely different thing. No, it looks like... I mean, like if you it... look at this right here, does it look like Arkanoid? <laughs> What's going on on the screen right now? Right. Um... Yeah, in this case, he's got to destroy this thing, which makes bad guys. Now he's got to destroy all the bad guys and then get up to the top and hit that gate like 10 times to open it. Anyways. That's, that's pretty crazy. No, that this looks like looks like fun. I want to play this one. It's another game I'm surprised I've never played. And what I like about this, especially nowadays, like back then I probably would have been upset, is uh, I think I probably played it for two hours before yeah. I beat it. But once now that I've beat it and know everything, I could probably beat it in 30 minutes. Like, it's not a long game. Right. Which is kind of refreshing, to be honest. No, that's right. Nowadays, I like stuff like that. Right. Like, if you want to, you know, I talk about that on the show once in a while. If you want a game that you want to just sit down for one night and beat, or have a shot at beating, maybe the next night you actually beat it, do it again and beat it, I don't know. That This might be a good option for you. Right. There you go. Fire Strikers. Awesome. Super that's Nintendo. A, that looks like a winner. I want to try it. Cool. I've never heard of this game, Eric. What oh, is this man. game? Oh, man. I knew you were going to bust my bees. <laughs> Bust your bees. <laughs> You're going to bust my bees on this? Ah, oh, those bees have been busted. So, <clears throat> so this is Paradroid on the Commodore 64. What? And I remember... So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk like people don't know what this game is. Yeah, please do. I, I completely agree with the choice. Okay. So my, own, my only beef is that you pick it for lots of things. I, I absolutely <laughs> do. I love it. It's one of my favorite games of all time on any platform, but it does defy genres. Now, I'm sorry. Before we go any further, when yeah. I picked this, yeah. honestly, in my head, I was thinking mostly of like 
Commodore or Spectrum games where there was so much more creativity because everything there was no like categories Correct. yet. No, People you're, were just like let's create some bizarre new thing. You make a super good point there because it, when you if you were a Commodore sixty four programmer, you kind of had this. Your creativity could make a whole new genre. Like you could, if you thought of some outlandish thing, you could try it, and you might make a whole new genre of games. You, it was just a, it was and a wild frontier. And they weren't even thinking of it then. They're right. just like, I want to make a new game. And there's already a game that does this. There's a game that does this. So I'm going to make it where this happens. This happens. Then you go to this thing and do this. Yep. And it came like even like games like Tron, where they're like. The first level, you do this. Then the second level, you kind of do this. And you have to put this weird angle on it to get it, but that's part of the game. And then you have to do this. Right. And it's just all part of the and, and, and it's, creativity. It, and the and probably a lot of it was programming errors that are like, you know what, let's just roll with that. Right. Let's, let's work around that. Because nowadays, I mean, every game is exactly the same. Like, it, it's another Call of Duty game. It's another yeah. first-person shooter game. I mean, it, it there's not a lot of creativity. There is a creativity in the indie scene, I'll say that. But... Anyway, Paradroid, let's get back to that. Yeah, so, let me put that on YouTube for the 10th time. <laughs> <laughs> so Paradroid is a game on the Commodore 64, the original Paradroid, where you are a robot, and you are a robot, and your job is to infiltrate a spaceship. Infiltrate. And, and take over, the, the, the ship has multiple levels and decks, and your job is to take over the whole ship. So... You go level to level, and on different levels, there'll be different powered robots. And the robots are just, you're just a round ball floating around in, in on, on on the screen. And you have a number assigned to you. When you begin, you're zero, zero, one. You're the weakest robot ever. So you're on there floating around. And then your job is to take over another robot. Now you can you can clear the levels by either taking over robots or destroying robots. And the majority of this, the gameplay is a top down. Yep. So when you first start playing it, you're like, okay, this is a top down arena shooter kind, a scrolling arena shooter. Okay. Yeah. If that yeah. makes sense, right? But where the game starts to defy the genres is when you take over another robot. There's a little mini game where you're attaching computer nodes to a central core and you're trying to beat the opponent. And now the higher numbered robot that you have, the more nodes you can attach to the central core. So if you're zero zero one, you only have like four or five nodes to connect. Whereas if you're fighting a, an eight twenty one robot, he's going to have like 15 nodes to connect. So he'll more than likely win, but there's always a chance that you will win and you will take over that robot. Now, when you take over a robot, you get its skills and there's a little bit of RPG element because if you go into if you log into a computer console on a level, it'll tell you like a bunch of like sci-fi stuff about the robot, like hey, he's got twin flavor twin, text, twin lasers and armor up the wazoo or whatever. Freaking laser beams. Yep. So it'll tell you what you're gonna do. I mean, how your robot is built and all these specs and stuff. So you can it's immersive, you can get into the game. Now, on top of that, there is a strategy to beating the whole ship. And that strategy is when you go into a level, you need to make sure that you can handle the robots on that level. So if you walk into a, you know, a level that has 800s and 900 series robots and you have a 300 or 200, you, get should, out. you probably should get out and get a better robot. And it's interesting because they're kind of all over. You could go up one level and all of a sudden the <clears throat> robots are 800. You're right. like, no, 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 go, go up two or three more levels. Good, they're 400. I can handle yep. these. 
And so you can destroy robots, take them over. You you basically need to build a strategy to clear every deck. And there are multiple ships. So once you clear a whole ship, you just move to the next ship and you do the same thing over and over again. But I never played a game like this when I was a kid. And when I got this, it blew my mind I, up. I, don't, I haven't played a game like this. Well, until I played this one, I don't think there's anything else like it. I don't think there's Except anything. Except for Paradroid 90. And then what, what's the other? Spin Dizzy? What's the other one? Not Spin Dizzy. Quasitron. Uh, Quasitron. On Thank Specky. you. But those are all from the company and based on, on Paradroid. Yeah, They're yeah, all yeah, clones yeah. of it. So, so anyway, uh, when I know at the time there was nothing like this, which is why the game was very popular. I mean, this was a very, very popular game. I, I do like it. In fact, there's... Excuse me. I'm burping a beer. Um... There's so there actually is a lot of depth. I mean, it's simple, but at the same time, there's always something like you learn new every time. Yeah. Um, like, like when you clear a level, it goes dark. When you have yep. all the enemies dead, um, certain also, robots will also last longer. Like when you take them over, like when you take them over, they immediately start losing energy. So you have you a timer. You can't inhabit the body of a robot forever. So you, you're running around doing your thing, but some robots will leak the energy a lot faster, and so you have to play the mini game a lot more to like go into transfer mode and like switch into a different, into a different droid body. So just a really, really, really fun cool. game, really interesting game. Um, and defies the genre. So anyway, that's my first pick. What genre? <laughs> what genre, Eric? So, so wait, know. part of this, part of this exercise is now you have to, to, to define it all, define it. What is it? So I'd be a re like a strategic arena shooting mini game, rpg style game i don't know it, yeah it's, it's really hard yeah it's very hard it's an orb shooter orb shooter <laughs> and it has shooting Strategic elements too orb shooter yeah. cool well played sir even yeah, though uh, you found another way to talk about paradroid i i did have and i will continue to do so have you heard about this one <laughs> what is this one tell me about it oh it is another game I've been wanting to try for a long time, and I finally said, nope, here's my opportunity to do it. I've never heard of it. This is another game that actually did come out in America, even though I'm surprised. Look at that. Look at that box art. Uh, it is called Irritating Stick. <laughs> Irritating Stick. <laughs> the graphics on there are not... Uh... On the PlayStation. Yeah. Um, and... <laughs> I want to see what this, this is will about. Be my, this will be a stretch, because I actually do enjoy it. Uh, for a PlayStation game, you'd expect a lot more longevity out of the game. Okay. If you can like enjoy something as simple as the Commodore 64 game and sure. are willing to play something simple and sweet on the PlayStation, yeah. this can be a good game for you. Okay. If you back then went and spent $50 on this game, you'd be disappointed because... <laughs> I was going to say, like, how much How much are we talking here? But then who, who goes out and spends $50 on a game called Irritating Stick? Yeah. So this is essentially a Japanese game show. It's Japanese, um, you don't say. Th yep. Irritating stick. Hmm. And there's this announcer who's like very, you know, you are playing the challenge course. Like, Ooh. It's really big, like, ha. Ah. Yeah. Um, so here you are. There you are with your irritating stick. Oh, it is a stick. It it's is a... literally, you, 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 the level starts with you holding this big metal sword thing and you have gloves on. And then you'll see here, he kind of stabs it towards the screen. Essentially, it's like a huge game of operation. Oh. <laughs> where, you, where you have to control the stick although at this point it looks like a ball because we're looking from the like stick point of view right and you're just trying to run the ball through this maze without touching the sides and going eh. and the whole time the announcer's yelling at you like watch out 
you almost screwed that up. Wow. You're awful. And um, you just you literally just run it through these metallic mazes. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is a silly game. <laughs> <clears throat> but don't pretend you're not intrigued. I, no, I am intrigued. <laughs> but then you can get to parts uh, later on. Goal! Yeah, it's really over the top. There's parts later on that are harder with checkpoints and like... Now he's going through a slot machine with these holes, and then there's like weird like knives trying oh, to man, that cut was the irritating like gu- like guillotine kind of thing. There you go. Um, and then you eventually get to these bosses that are like these gigantic robot. I mean, there's all kinds. It's it's don't touch the side mini game, but full version. I don't know. Um, here's one of the big robots. Yeah. Let's see here. Mechman Ace. That's got like a guy's head <laughs> spinning on this thing. Like six faces spinning on this robotic head thing. And of course, this this playthrough makes it look easy because this guy's very he's and guy's super good, right? Yeah, played it forever or whatever. Yeah. But if he touches any of the sides, he goes, Ehh! and you get shocked by the irritating stick. So if you touch the side, do you get shocked? Yep. Oh, man. So, I mean, again, he's making it look like super simple right now, but... It's not. It's not. And you need what this is when I talked to you online. I said, Do you have a dual chuck? Oh, because you need it. Because otherwise, you're only going to go up, down, left, right, and maybe the diagonals if you hold both buttons at the exact right time. But oh, man. You really need an analog stick for the game. Oh. Um, anyways, that's irritating stick. I don't know what else to say about it. Here's a robot boss. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's like one of those wacky, uh, it's like like wacky Japanese games. Like the, every once in a oh, while yeah. you get just a wacky off-the-wall Japanese game and this is it. In fact, we did a six good games on that uh, our first year of the show. Okay. When we did that, six good yeah. like weird Japanese games. I think we just said weird games, but they're yeah. typically Japanese. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Thank goodness. I think it's great. Yeah. Irritating stick. Awesome. It looks cool. <laughs> it lo- and I've never seen anything like it before. I mean, there's yeah. a moose. Yeah, you have to dodge the moose. Don't hit the moose, otherwise... Like, I don't know what's going on right now. It's yeah, like a stand- stare. Yeah. Oh, he's waiting for the moose to jump off the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> I can't explain it to the listeners. If you're not no. watching what we're watching, I just give up. Go There's look no up way. Irritating Stick. Yep. Speaking of wacky, weird Japanese games... Yes. Are you ready? I'm so ready. My second choice is... Yes. A good segue. Katamari Damacy. Good choice. Now, one thing I Although wanted... I can define it very easily, but we'll get there. Okay. Now, one thing I wanted to mention about this game is I wanted to talk more about the memories of this game. When I first got my PS2, I only had maybe a handful of games for that, like maybe less than 10 games for the PS2 total. And I remember there was so much hype, even here in the U.S., for Katamari Damacy. It was like, big when it first came out. Like, everyone was talking about, have you seen that weird game, that weird game from Japan? It's weird, but it's so much fun. <laughs> it's weird, but it's game. And I was working at Prima at the time, and there, we were even working on a strategy game for it. And uh, so anybody who doesn't know what Katamari Damacy is, is... You are a prince, and you're like this guy that has this weird c- cylinder-shaped head. I guess you're a prince. You're like and, a robot man. And your dad... And listen, I, I didn't read this. This is from memory. No, from, I think you're right. Back in the 90s or whatever, the 2000s, I mean. This is all from memory. Your dad is a king. I don't remember his name. And he got drunk, and he stole all the stars in the sky. He's also a floating head. Yeah, he's a floating head, but he got drunk, mm-hmm. as you do. And you st- you st- he steals all the stars. <laughs> as you do as you do 
So your job as the prince is to try to get the stars back. From your drunk dad, or is From, it he's no, just hung no. over at this point? I, I don't know what he did with him. My, my, my memory is dad. hazy on this. He's like, I would do it myself, but I'm pretty. I'm hurt. I got a headache. So somehow, I don't know why this ties in, because I don't remember. It's been a long time since I played this. Stretch. <laughs> to get the stars, uh-huh. you have to roll a ball around. <laughs> yes. As you do. <laughs> you roll a ball around, and you try to attach, and, and things attach to it. And you, you have to get things that are small enough to attach well to your ball. <laughs> um, and, but as things attach to it, it rolls differently. So the physics on the ball that you're rolling around change as things glob onto it and attach to it. You can't, if you hit something too large, it knocks things off of your ball and your ball. And every time you collect stuff, it makes your ball grow. Yes. And it gets to the point where literally you're taking, you're rolling over buildings. And well, yeah, you start with like thumbtacks. Like right yep. now we're watching dice, thumbtacks, yep. small little blocks. Yep. And the, this, the controls are simple. You, you roll it around, you can change the camera angle, and then there's a button where you flip your prints to the other side and you can push the ball the other direction. So... The controls aren't complicated or anything at all, but the graphics are amazing. I mean, they're PS2. The music is like this weird jazz fusion music. That's very Japanese as well. Japanese video game. Yep. But you don't want to collect stuff that's too large, and you want to grow the ball, I guess, um, smoothly, like like in a nice... Even on each side? Exactly. Um, Or Because if you don't, it gets very difficult to control. Like that right there. It's a blub, yep. blub, 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 and then blub, blub. somehow oh, that's awkward. He picked up lipstick on the. That's you know that's gonna. You can't roll it that way now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then this game, like when you complete levels, it um, and you can see the size of the ball. Like it's eight centimeters and three millimeters right now, and that thing will change to kilometers and. Yeah, and now we're eventually up rolls of tape, not just thumbtacks. Eventually, getting, you're getting literally big. rolling and collecting planets and stuff. I mean, it it gets crazy, but. The goal, when you complete those goals, you start to get the stars back from the sky, and your dad's very happy with you. And that is Katamari Damacy. Critics complained that the game was, um, once you do the thing you're doing, that's all there is to the game. But but people who love this game, and I I really enjoyed this game back in the day, um, people who enjoyed this game... If it's one thing that is very fun to do, then then it's do a it. great game. Now, I bought this again on Switch, but I haven't really played it a lot. It's called Katamari Damacy Reroll. Yes. And it's a remake with updated graphics, and I think it's made in Unity or something. Um, anyway, I think it's a really fun game and was was groundbreaking for its time. And didn't there was no game like it. Didn't, there still isn't, except for the sequels. Exactly, Same thing. Exactly. No one else did it. No, you're so right. So I, I have a... Well, I, don't, I can't look anymore. My walls are quite bare at the moment. Because he's moving. I'm moving. It's all in a box. But I have the PSP sequel, We Love Katamari. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Same thing, though. I haven't played much of it. I wanna, I, I'm going to have to sit down with one and actually just dig in. Because it seems like something that I could... One of these nights when I'm like... Uh, Maybe the family's away and I'm just bored here by myself and I yep. want to put down three beers and just kind of chill yep. and do nothing. Just roll a ball around. Oh, yeah, and then the, he vomits a rainbow. Vomits rainbows because he's drunk. So how would you define the game? What is what is your genre? <sighs> Man, um, this one's hard. This one's hard to fit into any genre. I mean, it is 
a puzzle game. And one thing that is anti-Eric, it's a timer game. Is, there is a okay. timer, yeah, which yeah. is totally anti-Eric, but <laughs> I did enjoy this back in the day. Um, it's an open world kind of um, vacuuming game. I don't know. It's very hard to explain. Very simple, Eric. What is it? Snowball Simulator. Snow- well, <laughs> but how, how many other snowball simulators have there been? No, that's, I'm not saying that, yeah, yeah. Defi- that it fits in a genre. I'm saying right. that's the new genre. It's a You're snowball right. simulator. You're right. I would yeah. love to play another one. I want someone else to copy this and make <laughs> and then like add something so there's more than one thing to do, maybe two or three things. Yeah. Like some enemy that comes and tries to punch your ball. <laughs> Imagine, you know how Nintendo takes a simple concept and makes it so good? Yeah. Imagine right. Nintendo made a snowball simulator. Right. Like, it would be amazing. It would be amazing. Yeah. I want that. Yeah. I want to play this first. Uh, I thought, and maybe this is already done, but it would be very cool to have a multiplayer um, a multiplayer uh, Katamari Damacy where multiple people are rolling balls around. If you collide, you can knock stuff off your other person's ball and yeah. shake them down and make them go back and have to go. It'd be go- cool, if, like Monkey Ball, where you have, like, mini games. Yeah. Like, how many fun minigames could you make out of Katamari? Hey, right. Oh, See, I think we're oh, onto something, Eric. Look at this. Maybe we should start an indie development company. Wait, but it should be called, like, Dasamari Caddy or something. <laughs> like, we'll just rip it off and not even be... Datamari Kamasi. <laughs> there we go. Although that's probably some, like, terrible Japanese thing, so we apologize to our Japanese audience. Yeah. That was rude of us. That was rude. All right. You've got the third and last one of your selection. Have you heard of Papers, Please, Eric? I have not heard of that. This is a game that I dug into for the show. I've had it. I've heard great things about it. And this is kind of, to me, it's almost like, um, oh, what was that game that we both ended up just really disliking? It's really ugly. Undertale. Undertale. Which I I, I, st- I heard another podcast praising Undertale. I don't get it. I and don't I was, I mean, get I, literally it. like a week ago I heard this podcast. I was like... What are you talking about? Are you like about? yelling at your car radio, like, stop it? Yeah. Shut your mouth. I'm like, what? I, maybe we're missing something. I played like three hours of it trying to figure it out, and I just eventually said, no. You got further than me. No. I played about an hour, and I was like, this is horrible. This is horrible game. Why? <laughs> <laughs> this is horrible game. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, I digress. Well,. Speaking of not using uh, words like it, <laughs> this is a horrible game. Uh, Papers, Please is a very simple, ugly game. Okay. I mean, this is what it looks like. This is the whole game. Um, here, let's, let me, this is going to be a playthrough, I guess, here. But so it looks like almost like someone's desktop or something. It, Yeah, well, I'll, I'll show you here in a second. Let me skip ads, mm. blah, 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 blah. Boom. So, I mean, this is, this, I mean, this is how it looks, the whole game. That the people that come in and just kind of look like, kind of like, uh, what's that Amiga paint, deluxe paint, deluxe paint. Like they yeah. kind of just made like them made in, in deluxe. Yeah, paint. Yeah, like with two colors each, and it's just really rough. Doug's but, gonna be like, wait a minute, there's some great stuff made by deluxe paint. Ham images. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Doug. We love you. Uh, so this game is literally it's it, it, it's so creative and unique it's really cool um and it's gonna sound super boring okay and it is a game that i love because i i hate just like you i don't like cutscenes, and i don't want to sit there and watch story yep but this game literally 
lets you go through stuff and you create the as in your how do I describe it? It tells the story without telling you the story. Like you make your own connections and realize what's happening and you're like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. It's super cool. So you are in um it's kind of it it's a you know they don't use any real country names, but it's basically kind of Cold War Eastern Europe. Okay. It kind of a, a feel. Yeah. And, and that's what it looks like. And you're you're basically in a uh, I don't know if you want to say I'm, again. I'm not trying to get political or anything, but communist or socialist kind of a thing where people don't have money. Your family is day to day. You're trying to make enough money doing your job that was assigned to you by the government um, to feed your family and give them medicine and keep them healthy. Yeah. And so right now, the, your main goal up ahead is you got a job assigned by the government, and you're basically. Uh, Asking people at the border, trying to get into your company, for, into your country for papers and documentation. And you let in the people who are supposed to get in. You keep the people who aren't out. And that's the game. Uh, but as you play, you know, the first day, it's like, just make sure you only let in people from your country. So when they give you a passport, you check it, see where they're from. And if they don't match up, you stamp it with a decline and you kick them out. And then they yell at you. And then the people that are supposed to get in there... Uh, you let them in, and they move in, right? And for each person you do, you get like five shillings or whatever the amount is. I don't know. I'm just making that up. Five okay. currencies. Yeah. I think that's just say dollars, but yeah. five currencies. Uh, and then the next day, they say, oh, great. Well, things are happening. Now we're going to let people from other countries in, but just make sure their ID matches their passport. So now you're checking like their birth date and if it's expired or not and checking all these little things. And then halfway through that day this is kind of a spoiler a little bit but it happens on day two you'll see up top you can see kind of the border and the line of people trying to get in this is your side of the country you'll see some guy like jump through the barricades and throw a, a grenade and blow up somebody wow. and all of a sudden they shut down the borders yeah and then the next day they're like all right everything's changed now you got to do this got to do this uh this has happened everything is changing and then all of a sudden eventually you'll get little bits and pieces like None of it's told to you. You're just finding it out by reading the rules and regulations for the day, which change daily. Trying to find who's supposed to go in, who's supposed to go, not supposed to go in. But eventually, you get people that literally just show up and just hand you an envelope and walk away. And you're like, "What is that?" And you open it, and it's like, um, "I believe your government is corrupt and holding you back. Please hold on to this, and someone will be in touch with you shortly." And you're like, "What do I do with this? Do you keep it? Do you decline it?" And it just becomes this really kind of the story where you're trying to figure out do i do what my country wants me to do or do i need to start playing some other things here because my family is cold and sick i can't get enough money for my job to give them medicine my sick son needs or keep the heat on so my whole family's getting cold and uh luckily i have enough food but you know it's it's this all these decisions you have to make so you're telling me it's the happy feel good game of the year it's interesting (laughs) it doesn't come across that dark but it's really interesting yeah and i Actually, I'm not going to lie. I, I played this a long time ago. I wanted to pick it, but I wanted to dig into it more before the show. Yeah. And I got sucked into it last night for an hour and a half. I actually played it on my Vita. Oh, wow. I, I owned it on the Vita. So I had to. I actually had to look around and figure out what machine I or what console I That was going to be my on. next question is what, what is this on? Everything. It's on everything. It's okay. on everything. You can buy it on Steam for 10 bucks. any of the consoles. I, I would actually suggest doing it on a computer because um, just using a mouse would make it so much easier. Okay. But it's really cool. I don't know what else to tell you. You kind of have to see that it to understand it. And uh, it again, it but it tells you a story without 
blatantly just telling you without a story. like a cutscene. It's yeah, like you're, you're, which is what I love. I love it when stories tell you the story through the game. Yep, it's super cool. Very so. cool. That looks interesting. I, 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 I it looks like one I'd kind of get into to be honest. Yeah, I, I don't mind games like this, like that are. They don't have a lot of flashy graphics, and they're not twitch, twitchy arcade games like where you gotta like have lightning fast reflexes. And it looks. I mean, this game could have been on the Amiga. It, it, it to the me, way designed, the that, way it looks, it looks like it could be on the Amiga. You're absolutely right. Game. Yep. Cool. Anyways, papers, check it out. please. Papers, please. All right. All right. So here we go. It's a little mini uh, game show for us. Uh oh. Because I'm gonna have you. I'm gonna start saying some things about this game. All right, Eric. What is it called? <laughs> it's a <laughs> guess the good game. All right. Oh. This whoa. Hold on, I stopped it on accident, my bad. Let's try that again. Alright. So too this loud. game. <laughs> right. Yeah, it is loud. Alright, what? Okay, so this game came out. I'm gonna you just stop me when you think you you know this game, okay? Alright. <clears throat> This game, and as you know, I labeled it as a genre-defying game. So that, Mario that's 3. the first big clue. No. Darn it. Okay. This game is oh, retro-themed, as our show says in our in our okay in our uh, what is it retro-inspired? Is yeah, it? retro-inspired. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Retro-inspired yeah. game. One one of the first one of the first original games I could think of modern games that was retro-inspired. So that that should be a big clue. Okay, but it's also um, not genre-defying. This game came out 10 years ago. I feel like it's like Spelunky, but okay. This game, um, crazy popular game, even today, even though it came out 10 years ago. You're going to say Minecraft. It's Minecraft. Uh, Look, you guessed it. Hold on. I gotta, uh. you, so you don't like Minecraft? <laughs> I don't. I've, you, you've never liked Minecraft. I've tried to play it a couple of times. I don't like Minecraft. Both of my kids at one point, and they've both gotten out of it, but at one point, both of my kids were way into Minecraft. Yeah. And it's like Legos. It's, I, I wouldn't... I mean, I understand there is a game, but nobody plays the game. So, you you know one of our Patreon subscribers, uh, Paradroid? Yes. He set up a Minecraft server that I was on for a few months, and we, okay. we built things together. Cool thing about Minecraft is, when I think about it coming out 10 years ago, and uh, Microsoft bought it out from a guy named Notch, who was part of some company that he named, I don't remember the name of the company. Who lives on an island somewhere Whatever. drinking pina coladas, yeah. Um, but Minecraft is a game for people that don't know, I don't know where you've been all these years, but it is a <laughs> game that really isn't a game. I mean, at least it wasn't 10 years ago. Now they've bolted on scenarios and... and oh, that's cool. See, maybe, maybe it is a game now, then. It, it, it's more of a game now than it's ever been, okay. although there's still modes you can go into, like creative mode or, or whatever. I haven't played Minecraft in a long time. I forgot to open on YouTube because <laughs> I didn't have to see it, but... Exactly. Um... But in the beginning, now this is when I when I was playing Minecraft when it first came out, and I I, did, I grabbed it probably six months after it was released, uh, when it was still in beta, like it was a beta thing. It was really cheap, like fourteen bucks or something. Uh, that's when I grabbed Minecraft, and I still have the same original account and everything. So th- that's not Minecraft. Nope. <laughs> so. Back when Minecraft first started, it was literally a game, a sandbox game, an open world where every world was unique because it was generated by a seed. Yep. And 
So you were never going to get two worlds that were the same unless you typed in the seed that that it, it generated from. And you started this world and you just went in there and you built stuff. And the, and the way I played it in the beginning, like this is the early beta and this is what I'm talking about. The game was literally just survival. Like the the first day you dropped on your Minecraft world was in the morning and you had to build a tiny little hut or whatever because when night came, the creepers came out. See, now that's when it was the game. That's when I was actually like, oh, that's kind of, that sounds yeah. kind of cool. And you literally just sat in your hut or whatever and wait, waited for the sun to rise. If you now, if you played in creative mode, you didn't have that. You you could just do whatever you and wanted. You could also just float in the air. But I only played in survival mode. That was when I really enjoyed it. Okay. And so what I would do is I build my. I'd always build my little thing in the side of a mountain, and then when night came, I would start digging into the mountain, and I'd make like like a dungeon in the mountain. Like I'd just start digging the mountain out. And that kept me busy at night. And then when 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 daytime come, I'd go back out and I'd start harvesting other stuff I needed, like wood to build an axe or whatever. I mean, I went in and you would keep an inventory just like in here and you would go out and find all your stuff. And then when night came, you'd always rush back. And the cool thing is in the early versions of Minecraft, if you didn't build a landmark to find your way back, you could get lost. Mm-hmm. And we would often, like me and the kids, when we were first playing Minecraft you would get lost and you'd be desperately trying to find your way back before night. And then if night came and you were caught outside, the creepers would get you. And so sometimes we would get lost so badly. We'd have to build a temporary little like, like place to hide. And then we would just have to kind of hunker down there until sunlight came that if you could imagine 10 years ago, there was no game that was like this. No, no. And so, and then, then when you got into creative mode, like what my daughter liked to do, she would just build crazy things. At that point, it was just Legos, which is cool. Which is just Legos, but she would just build crazy things. And then my son, though, got into it where he would go on these mod servers where they were modified and like running special rules and stuff. And, and they would have, there would be games built into them. So there would be like, uh, almost like, think of like, I hate to bring it to this, but think of like Call of Duty, but in the Minecraft world. Yeah. And that's the way it would be. Like, he would get on these servers How about with Doom? Friends. Like Doom Wad. Yeah, exactly. Or, or uh, Half-Life, where they did Counter-Strike and Team Fortress. And- so, as the years rolled on with Minecraft, you could make it anything you wanted it to be. Like, you could make it a game. You could make it like a, like a Doom or whatever. Or you could be creative and just create the Starship Enterprise or whatever. You could do whatever you Some people you actually wanted. were, like, making working computers. Yep. With in the world, which I understand that's possible. I don't understand how that works, but I know people yep. do it. Because eventually you can make electricity and you Gatorades can make circuits and, and things. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, that's my controversial pick because the, at the time, <laughs> 10 years ago, it was genre defying. It, was, it, it basically, this is the one I was talking about that spawned its own like genre because then there were other genres. There were other things that started becoming like Minecraft. Yeah. Well, and then I like I do like how it created some things that are really cool. I, I mean, I haven't played a lot of Minecraft. But I know like Lego Worlds is out there now, which yep. I think is probably cooler. Just looks cooler. And then on the other side of things, there's a bunch of games that are just like survival games, right? Where they just lean purely, in, and that sounds cool to me, right? I played a couple of those, um, more or less, and those are pretty cool. I, I can't think of it now, but on the Switch, I even bought this game because I thought my daughter would like it. Um, it's like Minecraft, but it's definitely more goal oriented. Like you have things you have to do in the world to progress. That'd be more game. fun to me. And, uh, 
I, I I wish I could remember the name of it, but it, it's it's a whole now series of games because there's two or three games in the series. Uh, but I I can't remember it. But on an on an unrelated note, yeah. note that uh that oh, what's it called stranded that game where you I uh, was excited about where you get stranded on an island mm-hmm. and you just and then you just have to figure out how to survive. Yeah. Uh, I did get it for the PlayStation Four. PlayStation Four, okay. It actually came free a couple years, a couple months ago. Okay. And I was so excited about it, and it is, it's actually really the concept's really cool, and the way it looks is pretty cool. It's kind of clunky, but but the just the controls trying to play that game with that PlayStation Four controller and the way it's buggy and it's, it's just not. It, it yeah. was too hard. To, like maybe if I had a keyboard and mouse, I could do it. Yeah. But I just couldn't handle it anymore. I tried it for like two hours, and I was excited about, you know, going out there and trying to like kill a shark for meat and yep. make things and craft things. But I, it's just too clunky. There was a game on Steam years ago, and I got in on the beta, and then it came out as a real game eventually. But it was like that. But you were on an island, and you were surviving, and you had to go and break into buildings and get like clothes and get like uh you know flint to make fire and yeah, stuff yeah, and I it love was that. and it was a post apocalyptic world so like there wasn't electricity there wasn't stuff like that and then you'd go around and then eventually there were real people on the island it was a multiplayer game like it was a like where yeah there were real people Online, on the island yeah. that could kill you and then when you died they could take all your stuff off of your body and then so they would was, have stuff was it called lord of the flies the i don't game? remember what it was called but honestly it was exactly what you were describing clunky your ass marpate Kind of beta-ish, kind of clunky, like just not very well done. Uh, so, that ruins it because I love the concept, I love the art assets, I love the yep. theme and everything about it. But if I can't play it, uh, yeah. kills it for me. Hey, Eric, that's six good games. That's six good games, and that's, a lot of them looked really good. Yeah, uh, at least the three I had. <laughs> oh, now the good boy, <laughs> good boom. Um, just uh, one last note I want to make. Uh, check out RetroRewind.ca. Yeah. And use Pixel Guide In and PG Ten to save ten percent. <laughs> if you guys go on there and uh, and uh, spend spend a little money with our one and only sponsor, yeah, uh, we would really appreciate it. Yep. You'll appreciate it. Yep, because it's got some pretty darn cool stuff. The one thing I really think is the coolest thing they have, and this is just my opinion, is the re- the new recap service. There is no place here in North America that you can reliably send your equipment to get it recapped. Except for this. They're in North America. But that's what I mean. They're, they're the only place now. Yeah. Because I've known guys that do it. Hey, dude. Hey, dude, in your garage, you c- come do this. You and, know what I mean? And don't be weirded out that it's Canada. No. Because it still uh, comes back very quick. These are friendly neighbors to the north. Keep in mind, I said it comes back very quick. Exactly. (laughs) Our mail service will get there when it gets there. Yeah, but it comes back very quickly. Um, But he not only does that, but he will fix your Commodore equipment, too, and he will give you an estimate on what it takes to fix it. So even if it's not caps, he will fix it. And you just need to send it to him, and he'll give you an estimate. I can fix it. Exactly. RetroRewind.ca. So let's say if let's let's say Cody gets a Commodore 128 one of these days. One of these days, man. And it doesn't work, and he's troubleshooting it. And oh, he, you just reminded me of something. Okay, yeah. And yeah, he's a good yeah. hand, but let's say he just can't figure it out. Just can't work it. You buy the Commodore 128 diagnostic kit from RetroRewind.ca. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh-huh. You buy that with our discount code PG10, and you can't figure it out. Just send it to him. Send it to Frank. 
There you go. Frank will take care of it. Thanks, Frank. Yeah. Frank's your buddy that's going to repair whatever you got if it's Commodore. Is he in, like, the Montreal side of, uh... Who knows? Does he speak French? Does it matter? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Um, I, I, I honestly don't even remember. I don't remember what his address was where I sent it. <laughs> Let's just get that out. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's an episode of Pixel Guide In. Yeah. We appreciate it. And uh, uh, in 15 days, on the 30th, we will be talking with Tim. Yeah. Who I always like to say, our friend from over the pond. Battle of the Systems. We are going to do a Battle of Systems where we talk about what, Eric? Quackshot versus Lucky Don Caper. Both Donald Duck games. Master System versus uh, Genesis, Genesis and right. or uh, uh, Mega Drive, if you want to call it that. Correct. Which is not correct. Um, <laughs> but a cooler name. <laughs> cool, I guess. Uh, Cody's Corner, I'm going to talk about my thoughts. You're going to hear me basically think on air about what I want to do with my new my new room for Hobby Room, which will be cool. Breaking news, Cody. Uh, okay. Just came in. Just came in on the wire. Really? We have a new Patreon subscriber as really? of 30 seconds ago. What? Uh, yep, just got it, and his name is Jason Holland. Jason! <laughs> Thank you, actually, Jason Holland. Actually, know what we need to do? What's that? Eric. <laughs> yo! We, we got a new Patreon subscriber, Eric. Yo, yo, yo. Yo, yo, yo. Listen to this. Tell me, what's up? I'm going to break this down. Patreon! Patreon! New Patreon subscriber, Jason Holland. Yeah, Jason. I think this is our first live uh, Patreon <laughs> message. I think you're absolutely right. And you're talking louder again? Yeah, we're talking loud because the music is so loud. <laughs> Hold on. We still got room for this, though. I like the cut of your jib. Jason. Yeah. Hey, Jason. <laughs> I like the cut of your jib. Dude, right. he, he snuck that in just at the right time. Good job, Jason. Catch this and more on the next episode of Pixel Gaiden. Remember... It's dangerous, dangerous to, to go, go alone. Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at the project. That's D-U-H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball49. That's O-D-D-B-A-1149. You can reach Tim Drew as well on Twitter at Sanction, that's S-A-N-X-I-O-N. If you are interested in supporting the show financially, please join us at our Patreon account, that's patreon.com forward slash pixelguiden. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input, so hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com. 